0: To the film cast, a podcast about movies. My name is David Chen, and this week's movie was so scary I might need to have the memory of it surgically removed from my skull. Joining me today <laughs> is Devinder Hardwar.
1: I can't wait for James Wan's eventual romantic comedy, which will surely involve a highly choreographed shootout. <laughs> Jeff Kanata.
2: I for one plan to be benign tonight. <laughs>
0: And joining us today, she is the evening news editor at SlashFilm.com and the managing editor of Fangoria Magazine, Ariel Fisher.
3: If I never have to look at another backwards crab walk again, it'll be too soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the show, Ariel Fisher. You know, Ariel, you were just on about four months ago for our review of Army of the Dead. I don't recall you having those titles at the time.
3: I did not have those titles at the time.
0: Well, congratulations. <laughs> new titles. On being evening news editor at slashfilm.com, managing editor of Fangoria Magazine. As I indicated in our pre show talk, the last time you were on, we were part of slashfilm.com and you were not. And my how the tables have turned, Ariel.
3: <laughs> this, is, this is technically correct, yes. <laughs> uh,
0: congratulations like on the new roles. Uh, how Thank are you, you feeling about them? Anything you want to say about them to plug your work right at the top here?
3: I mean, if anybody's listening live right now and they haven't yet subscribed for the Halloween issue of Fangoria, Google. now's the time because that yeah. deadline ends today and you can get 25% off with the code FANGOKILLS. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> you know, shameless plug notwithstanding. Uh, no, the positions are both awesome and like super fun. And I-, I love how it's something that
1: upgrades for you, Ariel, and for us. we're We're now just some guys. We're
3: just That's just
2: all. We're just out here, untethered, yeah. floating in the vastness of space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, I do feel like it, we're privileged to have you because, as evening news editor, I feel like the evening must be your busiest time. I, I don't know how we managed. Yeah, I don't think score she's your... supposed
1: to tell anybody.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did no, your boss in the yeah?
0: know that you're here with us today? No, here we are, like recording
2: at nine a.m. My guys.
3: No, they do know. They do know where I am. I am allowed to be here. I've been given permission to be let out of my cage and unchained from my desk. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, They do actually know that I'm here, though, and that is totally kosher. And this is usually my busiest time, yes. But for the opportunity to come and do something like this, I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's put shit on hold for a minute and do what I like.
0: (laughs) Well, we are happy to have you on the show tonight. And today, of course, we're going to be discussing James Wan's newest film, Malignant. Uh, which debuted at the box office and on HBO Max this past weekend. Prior to that, of course, we've got some what you what we've been watching for you, and we have a special intro segment to discuss the Matrix Resurrections trailer. So that's what's in store on the Filmcast tonight. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at at gmail.com and use hashtag slash tag to recommend things for us to watch on Twitter. Hashtag slash tag. Uh, so, uh, let's begin now. Uh, the, the Matrix Resurrections trailer debuted this week, and typically Jeff Kanata certain and I have a policy uh, that we do not watch
2: trailers, and that's right, unsolid for life.
0: And I have kept to that policy for you know most of this year, <laughs> like you know, m- yeah. most of the last few years. I've made very few exceptions for that, but this was one of the exceptions that I made. Uh, and I decided this, <laughs> I'm, I'm so Excited for this trailer, you know. Just last week, we were talking. I mean, people pointed this out yeah, that on last week's episode days of the podcast,
1: we posted.
0: Yeah, uh, last week's episode of the podcast we recorded. We're like, you know what? It's so weird that we haven't had a Matrix trailer yet. And literally, the day after they debuted the teaser site for the Matrix uh, Resurrections, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: again, you're welcome, everybody.
0: Filmcast showing it's on the pulse of the culture once again. We right. know what's up? But um, but yeah. But yeah uh, so Jeff, uh, I, I fully res- <laughs> and deeply respect Jeff's policy. To sure. not watch trailers uh but we are going to talk about the matrix resurrections trailer so jeff i think you're going to peace out for a little bit yes i'm going to text you when to put the headphones back on
2: right uh, if i don't but- return just wait longer <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe maybe I'll just accidentally not text Jeff for the next hour and a half. You know? <laughs> We're going to talk about no, the Matrix I'm, for two hours. You know? yeah.
2: I have a bag saying, right, of so candy Jeff. in front of me. I may be passed out. I don't know. All right, all right Jeff. We'll see you bit. in a bit. Thank you.
0: Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah. And, and I should point out, if you're in the audience and you do not want to hear rampant speculation about the Matrix Resurrections, you should tune out come back at the timestamps for uh, what we've been watching. Uh, the other thing I do want to mention is none of us on this podcast actually have any information about what the matrix Resurrections mm. is about. Um, so the, I, I mean, or if we do, we're not going to reveal it on the podcast, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it has been I, I made like clear to me
1: yep, for, for people who there are people who want to just be on the pulse, right? The opposite of the Unsullieds. And I'd say if, if you were one of those, you should probably subscribe to Drew McQueenie's newsletter.
0: Because
1: uh, <laughs> you'll probably get some good shit. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, that said,
0: I think that, yeah, the, the, I do want to warn people that there are many people mm-hmm. out in the world, agents, you might even Shit's call just
1: them. just flying around. Uh, yeah. That have, <laughs> like, the
0: full plot details of this movie. So, like, if you just be really careful if you want to uh, stay away. But look, we will not reveal anything that we, like, know from the movie. But suffice to say, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's tough out there. But all that this, said, this is
1: the balance. This is the balance between not being Unsullied, but not being a jerk, you know, when it comes to <laughs> revealing everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, uh, I uh, was very excited to see the trailer for this movie.
2: Thomas, you seem particularly triggered right now. Can you tell me what happened? I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. Hi.
3: Have we met? One.
2: If you want the truth
0: from you, you're going to have to fall me.
1: The only thing that matters to you is still here. I know it's why you're still fighting and why you will never give up.
0: It's, it's probably the only trailer... I'm going to watch this year, the rest of the year. Like I've, I've had really? skipped trailers for no time to, I've not watched a single trailer for no time to die yet. And I'm really excited about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a movie that I, I just has been like, the thing I am most curious about for Matrix Resurrections is Matrix two and three reloaded and revolutions have been uh, not well regarded in our pop culture canon. And I am mm. so curious if going back to the well of the Matrix, if finding a way to reinvent, reboot this story is going to in some way redeem those movies, recontextualize and those movies. We've I think seen there has th-
1: been there has been a resurgence of love for those movies and I have to say I never hated them and I have started even before like people are starting to talk about it like within the last couple of years I rewatch them every couple of years. I'm like, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I think we can have good conversations about those movies. But then watching it during the time, that was a very different experience. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Ariel, Mm -hmm. what are your,
1: I mean, looking back, what are your thoughts on the trilogy? I think
0: we all agree the first one's a classic. uh, Sure. But what are your thoughts on uh, number two and three at this point?
3: Uh, number two, I thought was fun, but unnecessarily over complicated. And number three, I thought was so repetitive that it felt like I was having a deja vu the entire time I was watching it. <laughs> like legitimately, like I, I, I genuinely couldn't remember if I had seen what I was watching already because it all seemed very, it was, it was the weirdest experience. It was basically a reminder that I am in the matrix. Still, ah. so that was very surreal. Very fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I the, they progressive. I think they are. You can rank them in the order of release. I'll put it that way.
0: <laughs> yes, they they came out in descending order of
1: quality. Um, I yes. I like revolutions more than reloaded, but I oh. ultimately do like them both. Yeah. So that's the thing. I distinctly remember watching reloaded, like running, uh, taking a bus to the local theater by our college um watching it with a bunch of people and as the crazy zion orgy you know cutscene was happening we all mm. just looked at each other and we're like what is happening right now and i think it's that feeling of like you you were totally discombobulated because the matrix reload is nothing like the first movie and revolutions is just like this big loud uh wrap up to the whole series i didn't hate it then but i totally get the vibe right it wasn't what we wanted in a way, and they're messy movies. But I, I don't know. I've always grown to appreciate them. And uh, I'll say this: I've always had the Wachowskis back because they went on like Speed Racer, not not a widely beloved film. I always loved it. And then Cloud Atlas, which is kind of a masterpiece to me mm. on a certain level. Sense Eight, you know, they they've done some incredible work, and no more people need to see Sense Eight. Yeah, but I love Devendra's a huge stand of Sense Eight. What about yeah. Jupiter Ascending, Davindra? Any thoughts on Jupiter ascending? Love Jupiter ascending. We talked about it. Love it. Love how bonkers sci-fi it is. But since I, I think if you want to think about like what they do uh, in terms of like themes and stories, and you know the the stories they're trying to tell, Sense is a great encapsulation of a lot of ideas that started in The Matrix and even in Bound. Um, but I I think I I just love the Wachowskis. So I am fully ready for Resurrections, and I'm ready for people to like rewatch reloaded in revolutions and maybe you know maybe maybe it'll hit differently this time
3: i'm ready for for resurrections like i'm waiting for i'm just my hope is that it's as gay as possible Mm. like that is my biggest fucking hope because everything about (laughs) like that's my favorite part of any of their work is when they do that kind of in like navel gazing self-reflexive content that's kind of analyzing the parts of themselves that they find to be you know, needing a little bit of exploration. Those are some of the most fascinating parts to me. So I'm, I loved those parts of like, I mean, the whole, all of bound is that. Mm So mm -hmm. like, this is one example, but like, I'm hoping that they have more fun with this than they did with, I don't even remember which one is reloaded and which one is, the other one Reload because the they second. were both Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay they're, they're one movie they are basically they could have just been one story i think and that's the problem is that they had to split that yeah. up and the way they were released like we were so a lot of people were bummed by reloaded and revolutions was six months away so it's like oh you, you don't even have time to like recover from the disappointment cycle you know
3: and revolutions was just so unnecessarily convoluted mm-hmm. as kind of this weird flex to kind of deflect from you know, biting off more William Gibson than they could chew. And that's not yeah, like yeah. that always bothered me. So I'm kind of <laughs> hoping they don't try and do that and just have fun with it. Cause have you fun. can,
1: I listen, I love the conversations that are happening right now too, especially from like the trans perspective, mm-hmm. which is, it, it's a definite thing. And we did not know that, you know, when the Wachowskis were making those movies, but they've both, mm-hmm. uh, they have both come out and, I love the like just the way people are talking about it. Um, I just watched this thing called "The Matrix Sequels Are Good," actually, uh, by <laughs> Curio on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, uh, the channel yeah, this is, is on my watch list. Yeah, it's really good. It's a two hour long dive into like what really works about them, and I think it does. It, it, they're not trying to pretend like this movie, these movies are perfect, but certainly that there is a lot more going on with them. And that is ultimately where I come down. Like, there, I have issues with some of the action. I have issues with some of the motivation and plot and whatever. But at the end of the day, those movies are still, like, bonkers. So wild compared to, like, a lot of other things we've seen since then, which I compared to, like, the Marvel machine, right, in a way, where those movies were impressive because they built up these superhero characters and built this whole world and everything. but. It, it, it all felt like they fit into very specific mold. Whereas I keep going back to those Matrix movies and being like, I, how do these movies exist? It, it's just the <laughs> wildest thing to me. So I, I appreciate that sort of like, uh you know, uniqueness for them.
0: Yeah. So uh, I feel very similar to you all about uh, the Matrix sequels that like they were very disappointing to me when they first came out. Uh, There's probably more to recommend them today. There's probably more uh, today to recontextualize them and think about them. And part of my interest in the Matrix Resurrections is how will this make us look at the original trilogy differently, Mm -hmm. if at all? That's Mm -hmm. one big question I have. Another big question I have is uh, to what extent is this movie going to attempt to Reappropriate the concept and uh, language around red pill and blue pill, right? Uh, We have seen Mm. in the time since The Matrix came out that the term red pill has unfortunately been co-opted by just the worst elements of society possible. (laughs) Um, I think even
1: even with Reloading Revolutions, they did try to push back against the way the movie, like the first movie, was taken up by... The alt-right didn't even exist back then, but the things that would become uh, the alt-right, they were... (laughs) They were they were kind of doing that,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so as Arrow points out, it's not it's not true that they didn't exist back then, but they they certainly weren't as widely uh, known. Perhaps the, Is I, that
1: when did to say the, really? the no. term alt right did not was not a thing in the early two thousands? Was it? I forget when it became a huge thing.
3: I don't know. I don't know exactly when it became a huge thing, but the that that demographic that yeah. movement,
1: yeah, the the very basement dwellers. Existed. The ba- I'm talking about. So I'm talking yeah. about like the. The name Alt was a thing that it, the basement dwellers, the the people who, you know, uh, appropriate the Matrix in the worst ways, uh, evolved into what would become like that sort of thing. That's all. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, I am curious, like, to what extent uh, it will be an attempt to like reappropriate that language yeah. and imagery? Because I think that it, I, I can't I can't imagine what it is like to be a, a creator who creates something that is so lasting and powerful in its cultural impact, specifically mm-hmm. referring to the Matrix 1.
1: It's about love. Oh. It's about the power of love. Guys, always.
0: Right. Only to then have the Im- imagery co-opted by just the, you know, these uh terrible, dangerous elements of society. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious like to what extent this movie is because this movie the trailer has tons of that imagery in it. Right? Tons of like blue pill, red pill imagery in it. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious like uh whether or not we're gonna revisit that and recontextualize that at all um, and also like to, mm-hmm. to your to expand on one of your points i think you're making is like uh what's interesting about two and three is that they kind of revealed that like the the systems by which people think they are breaking free of subjugation can themselves be tools of subjugation exactly and i think that's <laughs> that's a pretty interesting concept that i'm also curious like to what extent you know this movie matrix resurrections will or will not undo or subvert the reality of the first three films um so anyway those are just some of my thoughts from watching this because basically you watch this trailer and the basics of it are that uh it's clearly taking place in present day uh mr anderson is decades older and it's very unclear at this point as a mm-hmm. trailer one uh what his actual relationship to the matrix is yeah um is was the matrix even a real thing was it a figment of his imagination They're, you know you,
1: there, there's a lot of theories. stuff too yeah there are theories and i i just looking at the trailer i see <laughs> people watching the matrix yeah the, people are watching
0: scenes from the matrix one the movie in yes. the trailer for the matrix resurrections so it's like what does that mean? Mm. Like does that mean that the Matrix 1 as a movie exists in the universe of the I'm Matrix so Resurrections?
1: Excited. This is why I'm so excited. It's because like the the chance for creators who um you know cre- made something uh, I think and we talked about this when we talked about the Matrix 4K re-release. The Matrix is one of the most probably the most important movie of the last like 20 plus years. Uh, in terms of the way it changed, um, you know, cinema and not just action cinema, just like the idea, the way you could pitch big sci-fi ideas to more mainstream crowds, like that—that that, the geekification of the mainstream was a big part of like what the Matrix did. Um, Introducing
0: and, yeah. martial arts into action films,
1: in exactly. A way that, like,
0: yeah, you know, like
1: genre stuff, action genre stuff, anime, um, yeah, Hong Kong action, a lot of things. Um, you know, the Matrix delivered it to the mainstream and helped, hopefully, help people find these things. But being for a creator to like do that, uh, then go off and do very, very different things that are very much like not trying to be the Matrix, but to come back to it, I think is just wild to me. And I'm so excited. And then they have all these great collaborators. Like David Mitchell is a co writer, the writer of Cloud Atlas. Tom Tickver is doing the music for this movie. Like I am, I am giddy <laughs> with like the potential. For greatness here even if it ends up disappointing me this is why i watch trailers like i will have this feeling until we see this movie and then come to some sort of conclusion but we have this month these months of like talking about it and thinking about it which i really enjoy ariel any other thoughts or reactions to the matrix resurrections trailer
3: are we allowed to postulate if they are not? Because I know mm. we, we were saying we're not going to spec like we're not going to yeah, spoil yeah. things if, if from the If you do not
0: know anything about the movie itself, then you are welcome to speculate like you uninformed speculation as well. Yes, I would say that's Marvelous. the fun part. Yeah,
3: that is the fun part. So, like, just it, it's the fact that they're playing the Matrix in the Matrix. <laughs> Immediately, and and you've seen you know Neo taking all of these blue pills and everything, and he's he's having to take so many of them. My guess is that he's being he's they took the various rebels and imprisoned them in the Matrix, and through that imprisonment, they had to force them to take their own medication, mm-hmm. as it were, to kind of help them stay in the matrix as they want them to be. So it's kind of a means mm-hmm. of like, uh what is it? The panopticon effect that like self-regulating um, uh, prison form uh, format or something like that, where you have everything centered around a parapet in the center. Right, right. So you're never sure if you're being watched or not. Um, so it's like self-policing. Mm-hmm. Have um, you guys,
1: are you, have you guys played enter the matrix or are aware of what happened? No. in enter the matrix of the games, which are canonical. And some wild shit went down <laughs> in those games. Are you aware what happened to Morpheus in those games? I am not.
3: Although they, I have heard, yeah, they murdered whispers. Morpheus in Enter <laughs> yeah. the
1: Matrix. That is, he's not in the trailers right now. Although uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen plays a character who is very much. Morpheus, like
3: that's Morpheus, yeah. With with the glasses,
1: uh, and many and many people yeah. believe it to be young Morpheus that he's playing. Yes, young so, Morpheus, yeah. uh, son of Morpheus. I don't I don't know. I love seeing Gaia and <laughs> See? everything. Yes, everything, whatever. Um, but just the idea that yeah, even that game that very not too many people played. Um, you can't even play it right now because it was an online game and it relied on servers, and it, it's just lost to the sands of time. Um, mm-hmm. even that is like relevant into what's happening here, but. of people out there do not realize we are living in a world where Morpheus has died. He was killed.
3: And that'll come up. That'll 100% come up. There's a lot of speculation, too, that um, that younger version of Morpheus, because 100% that is definitely a younger version of Morpheus. Mm -hmm. It just may not actually be Morpheus. The speculation is that that may actually be the Oracle um because they were able to change her body before Mm -hmm. and or their body and that may further build into the the trans narrative that already existed was this notion of other like that's basically what i'm getting at with that but Mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of like again coming back to the matrix playing in the matrix neo having to take all these pills that self-policing that self-subjugation um it kind of serves to eliminate the risk of them having flashbacks if they show them the movie of their lives so to speak (laughs) Mm -hmm. because if it's actually presented in the matrix as like you know a popular movie then if they have these weird deja vus of things from you know when they were out of the matrix it won't matter because they'll immediately think oh it's because of that movie i saw
0: yeah, yeah uh, There, I, I, that definitely echoes a lot of the speculation that I've heard as well. The the, the only other thing I want to add, but, and then I think we should move on, is uh, that the, the biggest thing I am curious how they will address, if at all, and I think the trailer hints that they will address it, is the place of technology in our society is so different than what it was when Matrix 1 came 100%, out. A hundred percent, right? yes. Mm-hmm. And people are now willingly, not <laughs> involuntarily, uh subject you know subjects mm-hmm. of their devices we all we've all while, entered the right?
1: matrix and we are like who cares like i just right. I, would, I want my twitters
0: that's it <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> give me the tiki um mm-hmm. and so i am curious like how the movie if at all will kind of address that difference so there's a lot of potential stuff to mine but mm-hmm. i thought it, but and let me just say by the way this is like an amazing trailer like it is just yes. a really well put together trailer it's like probably top mm-hmm. 10 trailer that I've ever seen, I would rank it up there just in terms of getting me amped up for this movie. I'm very excited. Um, very excited. And we will be discussing it here <laughs> uh, on the FilmCast uh, When the matrix resurrections comes out, I think December 22nd mm-hmm. is the date that'll on, come on so,
1: HBO max.
0: Indeed. indeed. <laughs> wow. So that is uh, our conversation about the Ra- matrix resurrections. Check out the trailer. Hope you are excited about the movie too. We are excited to talk about it when the movie comes out.
2: Hey, it's Jeff. I'm going to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Blenders. Blenders Eyewear. Fresh from San Diego, California. Comes hip, cool sunglasses you can get in a prescription. But are actually affordable. I'm talking about Blenders Eyewear, people. You're going to be hooked when you see how awesome these shades are. I got the Deep Space prescription sunglasses. I also got a pair of snow goggles. I'm super excited because now I live in the snow. I'm excited when it snows here in Colorado. I'm going to get to wear my snow goggles, maybe go up and uh, hit the slopes. But here's the thing about blenders. Chase Fisher started blenders by selling uh, shades out of a backpack while he was doubling as a surf instructor in Pacific Beach. His goal was to create an adventurous mid-priced eyewear option with the same cool factor as other leading styles. And unlike expensive big brand shades that you've probably lost or smashed in the past, Blenders are actually affordable. So you're not going to cry as much when the inevitable happens. Blenders' team of in-house designers are constantly coming out with new styles from orange polarized wraparounds, tortoise shell frames with purple lenses to the classic gold arms on black lenses. And it's not just sunglasses. As I said, blenders has prescription. They have readers. They have blue lights as well as a snow collection and the goggles and accessories that I've already got lined up for my trip to the slopes. Live life in forward motion with blenders today. To score 15% off your blenders purchase, visit blenderseyewear.com and enter promo code FilmcastVIP. That's F I L M C A S T V I P, all one word, at blenderseyewear.com. The code is FilmcastVIP for 15% off. Blenders rocked with pride worldwide.
0: All right, folks. Uh, let's move on to what we've been watching this week. Uh, I want to mention a couple things I've been watching. Ameri- uh, impeachment, American Crime Story. Hmm. I was going to say American Crime Story, Impeachment, but I think it's actually the other way around. It's Impeachment, American Crime Story. Uh, now, let me, let me stop and ask, have you guys seen any of the American Crime Stories? Yeah, we talked about OJ, which was uh, incredible. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. series. I did not see the second season. The ver- the, was that
1: Versace too?
0: The, yeah, the assassination of that January was Versace. that was
1: really good. I talked about that a bit, uh,
0: but yeah, I have yeah, not yeah. seen any of this. Yeah, uh, so it's been interesting to see this series. Uh, you know, I saw the first season, and what, the, what was great about the first season was it takes you behind the headlines of this major event that happened and humanizes the subjects uh, that were in that event. It kind of it's kind of like the crown, but for major American events, basically. Like, <laughs> w- what I mean by that is like many of the things depicted are true. Like the the, the spirit of what happened is depicted in, in the show. But like, I don't actually believe that many of these conversations actually happened in the way they did. You know, they're all dramatized, obviously. And that's how I feel about the crown, too. So like it's kind of like historical fiction, but with very recent events. And uh, I think impeachment American crime story continues that trend it's about uh the impeachment of bill clinton um and uh, monica Lewinsky is actually a producer on the series and i think that impeachment is kind of part of this trend that we are now seeing long overdue trend of recontextualizing the events of the 90s and particularly like how we as a society and how the media treated these events and uh the people within them And, and, and honestly how monstrously they were treated uh, and how poorly they were treated. Do you guys see this uh, piece by Amanda Knox recently, by the way, yes. about like yep. uh, who, who owns her name? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Amanda Knox, for those who don't know, uh, was part of a, like there was an international news story uh, when she was suspected of being part of a murder um, and it was an international news story, and it was often referred to as the Amanda Knox mm-hmm. saga, or the Amanda Knox trial, or the Amanda Knox whatever. Um, Amanda Mo- Knox was was exonerated for yeah. the crime, but she was in prison still... for years too, right? Yes, so, yes, yeah. Uh, but she is still. The person who the crime is referred to. Anyway, the the piece is on Medium, and it's called "Who mm-hmm. Owns My Name." It's very good. It was she wrote it because of the movie Stillwater that came out recently, the Mad movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it is heavily inspired by uh, what happened to her uh, and her story. And she points out that like it, it is kind of this thing that happens where the innocent woman involved in uh, these situations are often the people who are most tied to the story. So like the Mm -hmm, Amanda mm -hmm. Knox case, the Amanda Knox trial. Um, In the case of uh, Monica Lewinsky, it was like the Monica Lewinsky scandal. But she is by far the least, like the person with the least power in that situation. Yet she is the person whose name like everybody Mm -hmm. knows now as being connected to this scandal. And anyway, the, the Amanda Knox blog post uh, on Medium is like a really good way of, was a really good way for me to recontextualize like, why do we even know of it as the Lewinsky scandal? Why was Lewinsky's name broadcast to every person on the planet back at the time? Um, Was that the right thing to do? I don't think it was. And I think a, a show like Impeachment American Crime Story helps us to look at that event again with a different perspective. Um, So I watched the first episode and I quite enjoyed it. This has been getting quite mixed reviews, actually. Um, I think that if you were alive during the Bill Clinton uh, impeachment and you followed it closely, it's very possible this will not add that much to your understanding. Um, Mm. But if you're not super clear on the details uh, and or you feel like you still have uh, some more to learn about the background of that story. I do think that uh, this is something that is worth checking out.
1: I just have to ask how how is my boy Clive Owen? Because when he was <laughs> cast in this thing, I was like, "That is a stretch." Yeah. To read to Clive Owen. Don't as know Bill if Clinton. I love it. Don't yeah. know if I love it, man.
0: Don't know if I love it. So Clive <laughs> Owen plays Bill Clinton in American uh-huh. Crime Story, and not not someone who would have been at the top of my list, you know, to play <laughs> Bill Clinton personally, uh, but. Yeah, I that's, mean... That's a real glam-up for Bill Clinton.
1: Yeah. Yeah, seriously. For sure.
0: I, there's a lot of, like, makeup on the show. Uh-huh. You know, uh, in, in ways that I think can be uh, a, a little bit distracting, like Sarah Paulson plays Paula Tripp, and uh, I believe she's... Linda wearing, right? Yeah, yeah. Linda I'm yeah. sorry, Tripp. Linda Tripp. Linda
1: Tripp, yeah. That, um, I'm also really curious to see what she does with that, because I don't... What I don't. What is the Linda Tripp story? Like, that is still...
2: I feel like this, this whole show yeah. is just, like, what crazy wigs can we put Sarah Paulson in
1: (laughs) I I know I
0: mean and I think she she gained uh like 20 30 pounds and I think she's wearing a fat suit in addition to that Mm. um and I think you know there's it's like did did you really need to hire Sarah Paulson to have that role or just you could have probably hired someone who was like closer to that body type yeah but uh this story is real like so far episode one it is largely about Linda Tripp it's largely about it, it largely is about like what was her state of mind and, and mean, her deal. A, lot,
2: a lot of that yeah. national drama it comes down to linda Tripp. yeah frankly yeah. Yeah. exactly
0: exactly so anyway so i was like fairly young when this bill clinton scandal occurred um jeff cannot you're sl- slightly jeff, jeff, older you're old yeah <laughs> i i guess i'm curious like does this does a show like this hold any appeal to you whatsoever
2: Boy, I was torn as to whether I wanted to watch this or not. Uh, I definitely have, I mean, I'm going to date myself, but I, I drove, I I vividly remember driving home from college, listening to the impeachment hearings on the radio, (laughs) like the five hour drive from my college to my home. Uh, I don't know. It must've happened around a time of year where I was going home for a holiday or something. Um, but I vividly remember the entire drive home, just listening to the impeachment hearings on NPR, and I mean, it was it, yeah, it, it holds a very, very big place in my sort of cultural psyche of that of that era. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, know. I, I, I f- this kind of a story. I mean, I guess OJ is similar. It's so sensationalized already mm-hmm. that. This sort of dramatization, I fear, will just be the worst kind of uh, melodrama, you know? Yeah. Um, and but it, it I don't is know. pretty
0: melodramatic. I have to say, like, some of the dialogue is quite over the top, uh, b- b- you know, verging on camp, I would argue. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I, I, it basically sounds like you've already kind of had your dose of it in your lifetime and you don't necessarily need to go back
1: to it.
2: Well, especially hearing you say that. It doesn't really add much understanding to the event because I think that's that's why one would want to right, revisit right. it is to have a, a, a fresh perspective or some kind of insight. Yep. But if, if it isn't that, if it's if it's just people dressing up in funny costumes to play people that we recognize, I don't know. You know? The OJ well,
1: one was so interesting because it, it, dove, it dove a lot deeper into who he was and the culture around what made OJ, you know? right right uh and I, I will
0: say that one of th- the things that the show does well is it illustrates that uh our, like how terrible our politics was back then as well it was terrible yeah. in a very very different way than it is today yeah uh, it, it, it
2: was it was it was terrible but it pretended not to be exactly now <laughs> now it is <laughs> terrible and it doesn't care whether right. you know it or not i think that's a great yeah
0: that's a great way of describing <laughs> absolutely. it absolutely um, uh, the show is also like very slow paced. So that's another thing just to keep in mind, but I don't know. I am enjoying it so far. And I think that really what these, you know, between the people versus OJ Simpson, that was season one and this one, like these are about humans kind of, um, they're about human tragedies basically, right? They're they're, uh, betrayals that occurred or uh, crimes that occurred because of perceived betrayals or what have you. And that ultimately remains really compelling to me and is brought out really well in in this season so far as well. So I'm going to continue watching it. It's Impeachment American Crime Story. It's airing right now on FX. Uh, a couple of other quick things I want to mention that I've been watching. Um, first of all, I had a chance to check out this documentary on Amazon Prime Video. Full disclosure, I work at the company. Uh, it's called Lula Rich. Have you guys heard of this documentary? Lula yeah. Rich. Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm very interested to hear what you think of it because I was tempted to to put it on last night, and I did not.
0: I, I would say it's highly enjoyable. I mean, yeah. it is, <laughs> well, Jeff, based on our conversation about the Bob Ross documentary last week, do not go into this expecting a glow-up <laughs> <laughs> well, of the no. founders of the Lula Roe Empire. <laughs> well, I have well a bit that of doesn't a seem hard, too. Bit so, of a different opinion yeah. of
2: them to, in you know, comparison to Bob Ross, but yes.
0: Uh, I, I mean, the, so the amazing part of the Lula Rich, so it's basically a four-part docuseries on Prime Video, each each part is only forty five minutes long, so you can get to, you can get through it in like an afternoon. Uh, it's very enjoyable, and the reason it's very enjoyable is because they were able to actually get access to these the, the uh, founders of Lula Rich, I'm sorry, Lula Ro, the uh, leggings company, and there is a extended interview with them. I estimate that they agreed to this interview before they knew the slant that the documentary was going to. Be, which <laughs> just, just always kind of enjoyable to see that tension of like boy, I really don't think they would be talking like this if they knew what the ultimate product was going to be. Um, but it's just very difficult to get access to the subjects on which you are making an unflattering documentary, right? Like it's just rare w- when that happens and the filmmakers were able to do that. But um, this documentary is, is really interesting, I think. It's very enjoyable and it basically shows how this company, LuLaRoe, uh, is a multi-level marketing company that preyed upon the social desires of stay-at-home moms, and how uh, there's a bunch of moms out there that wanted to make money and and work from home and have it all, you know, um, have kids, but also like you know be a contributor to the household. And they felt like Lululemon leggings uh, were a way to make that happen. Uh, and for a while, it was great, but. Then it went really poorly, and uh, if you've read headlines about LuLaRoe, then you'll know about
2: that. But certainly doesn't seem like the first company to no, attempt to I was do that.
3: Say it sounds Definitely. like it sounds like Avon, it sounds like yeah. Mary Kay, it sounds like uh, uh, Evan Lee or whatever the hell the other one is.
0: Right. There's yeah. there's tons of other mar- multi-level marketing companies out there. I think the thing that's remarkable about Lululemon is the speed of the rise and fall. Like. Uh, you know, six years ago. I've never heard of
3: them until just now. So
0: that's probably (laughs) accurate. Right. I mean, like they went from like zero to like a billion dollars in like less than five years. I think it was, it's very astonishing how quickly it went. Um, But there are lots of funny anecdotes in here about, you know, the, uh, and and also lots of tragic anecdotes about things that they did. Uh, And they're, they're basically just like a, a company that was growing out of control Uh, and this documentary kind of details a lot of, uh, how it went down. So I would say this is actually among the better of the, of these kinds of documentaries I watched. Uh, uh, there was a WeWork documentary I watched recently that did not have access to the CEO of WeWork, you know, and so it's just like, it's rare that they actually get the access. And in this case, they actually got the access. And I think it's uh, really compelling, especially when they do some creative intercutting, of their interview with the CEO, with like depositionless statements that the CEO made that like directly contradict what they said during the interview, uh, it's some pretty smart filmmaking. I recommend it. It's Lula Rich. It's streaming right now on Prime Video. Um, Jeff, h- how did you hear about this, by the way?
2: I was just scrolling through. Uh, I I kind of do. I I I use hashtag slash tag uh-huh. a lot uh-huh. but i also kind so of do solely the, right you don't use anything else right <laughs> that is all i use That yeah. is uh, whatever someone recommends i watch blind no um <laughs> i'm going often let's be honest often but um no i do i do sort of a roundup do you guys do this uh th- this sort of uh the the roundup of it's like a friday Mm-hmm. and i'll be you know i'll just i'll hit netflix and amazon prime yeah. and hulu so and you? hbo yeah, max poppin'? i just do the rounds you know just like see yeah. what's new because so much content drops i feel like i don't even have a, a sense of when and you know what uh so so oftentimes yeah. i'll just be like oh i didn't even realize there was this new show on so uh that's kind of that's kind of how i noticed he, it do you
0: uh yeah yeah well how do you how do you make your decisions jeff do you like read the plot summary do you watch trailers or do you just look at the art and that's how you decide uh
2: you know the art and a short description of what it is yeah i mean i see okay it's very different than a movie i mean sometimes i guess it is a movie but very rarely it's (laughs) it's i i do uh when it's when choosing a uh a television show i often linger on the uh Netflix autoplay I'll yeah, be honest and that is, a, a, it is kind of a trailer a trailer it's very different when it's when you're looking at like oh which home makeover show am I gonna watch this right. one or that one you know I,
1: I feel like I'm seeing the limits of the life of the unsullied here Jeff you're just like laying it all out here for us
2: mm-hmm. well it's a it's a hierarchy of how much I care about something right if, mm-hmm. if it's a casual viewage of like oh what will be what will I be tempted into versus I've been waiting for literal decades to see The Matrix. I want to go in as pure as I can. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, thanks for that insight. And I would recommend, like, Lula Rich, it has some good box art. It has, some good, it has laughing good at me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not laughing,
3: laughing at you. I'm laughing with you.
2: You're laughing yeah. near me. I'm li-
0: yeah, I'm <laughs> laughing near you, Jeff. No, I, I'm, I fully support the lifestyle, so you know I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lula Rich is a documentary on Prime Video. Uh, I, it, 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 you know, I, I'm making it out to be like, oh, it's a really good time. And I think a large part of it is like highly enjoyable, breezy watch. But it's also really sad what happens to a lot of these people mm-hmm. um, who, through no fault of their own, get caught up in a thing that uh, is, is financially punishing to them. And I think it's, it's also a, a tragedy in many ways. Um, but it's a fascinating watch. I, I'd recommend you check it out. Lula Rich. Uh, and finally, one quick thing I also want to mention. It's called Misha and the Wolves. Uh, this this is a documentary that I watched because I used the Jeff method of doing the weekly roundup. Uh, Jeff, I did the thing that you just said, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, which is I was like, let's see let's see what the algorithms have to recommend for me today. And I think this movie debuted at Sundance, I want to say, and then was picked up by Netflix. It's currently available on Netflix right now. Uh, had you guys ever heard of the story of Misha de Fonseca? No. no,
1: no.
0: So this was a story that kind of went viral, quote unquote, uh, a decade or two ago. Uh, there was a woman named Misha de Fonseca who told a story of how she fled the Holocaust by running into the wilderness. Uh, I think she fled Belgium uh, or fled Germany uh, and, and basically... Uh, Spent like all this time in the wilderness and then in order to survive, befriended a pack of wolves. And that's why it's called like Mission the Wolves. And
2: As one does.
0: It's, it's an extraordinary story uh, that was published in 1997 uh, in a book called Surviving the Wolves. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Surviving with Wolves. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it is obviously an incredible story and it went super viral. And then people started noticing that there were maybe some challenges with the story. And I'm just
2: going to leave it at that. I.e. E. humans and w- the whole wolves part. <laughs> that, that that part might be well, the one that's the, the sticking point. The extraordinary
0: thing about it is, like, they were thinking, they were planning to do, like, a story on Oprah about uh, Misha de Fonseca, and, like, they actually had her go to, like, a wolf sanctuary. until um, like <laughs> She was play... terrified. No, it, like, that's the thing. It's the opposite of that. It's, like, she actually, like, had this uh, she was able to, like, commune with him and had this amazing relationship with him. And it's like, oh, my God, this, like, completely validates the story in many ways. So anyway, uh, the story kind of uh, takes a turn from there. And I'm not going to say wh- where else it goes. The only thing I will say, so I'll say I found this to be pretty interesting and uh, worth checking out. The, the the thing that's weird about it is it uses, like, true crime documentary Aesthetics for a story about this woman who may or may not be lying about the Holocaust, and it's just like that's just weird to do. You know, it, it'd be like, like recreations <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, no, uh, some some recreations, but mostly it's just like you know. And, and so I started like I started looking through the photos of her book. The yeah. You know, it's like it's just oh, weird to use like the music and the editing of like a true crime story for like this woman's Holocaust uh, memoir. Uh, or alleged Holocaust memoir. You know what I mean? Uh, It it just feels like kind of discordant from a uh, style to subject matter perspective. Um, It's dangerous,
3: honestly. That is is incredibly dangerous. In in what sense, Ariel? In the sense that the Holocaust itself has been held on trial repeatedly and that Mm -hmm. people consistently try and disprove its existence. So the fact that this is a documentary that explores a potentially fraudulent story of the Holocaust and brings it to the foreground, while Jews today still struggle to prove that it happened, that if my grandfather were still alive, he would have to fight tooth and nail to prove that he survived in a Siberian uh, work camp when he fled Poland, it's troubling and grossly problematic.
0: Yeah. like So are you saying grossly problematic, the, the stylistic thing I was mentioning? Yes.
3: The stylistic thing you're mentioning, the fact that they would go ahead and make a documentary about this before doing the research and seeing whether or not it uh, the ends justified the means because doing things like this that put stories of the Holocaust for uh, at the forefront and disprove them gives more fuel to the fire that we have been fighting for decades.
0: Mm. Well, uh, I think that's all definitely uh, relevant and valuable to keep in mind. And I, yeah, that's kind of part of what I was trying to say is that you want to have a style that matches the gravity of the subject. And I don't know that they quite nailed it in this case. Um, but I still think it's, it's an interesting documentary worth checking out Ariel. I would be interested in your opinion as to whether you think this should exist or not. I'm mm. totally open to hearing uh, people's opinion on this, but uh, the movie is Misha and the wolves and it's available right now on Netflix.
2: Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, ExpressVPN. Did you know that Netflix has different content available to users depending on where they're located? Yeah, that's right. Even though Netflix has tens of thousands of shows, you only get access to a fraction of the available shows based on where you live. And watching Netflix without using ExpressVPN is like paying for a gym membership, but only being able to use the treadmill. There's so much more than the treadmill. What about the free free weights? I don't know. I haven't been to a gym in in two years, Uh, COVID, you know? Maybe it's a bad analogy, but ExpressVPN is not just using the treadmill. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location. So you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have almost 100 different server locations, so you can gain access to thousands of new shows. This works with many other streaming services, too. BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and more. I got to tell you, I've been using ExpressVPN for years. Long before they were ever a sponsor of this show, I was paying for ExpressVPN. Why? Because of those blazing fast speeds. ExpressVPN VPN isn't just a snappy title. It really is express. It's fast. You don't get the slowdown you get from other VPNs. You can stream in HD with zero buffering. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, whatever you want to throw at it. It encrypts your data. So ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting everything so you can browse the web securely. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash filmcast. Don't forget to use the link expressvpn.com slash filmcast to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free.
0: All right, Jeffrey Kanata, let's talk about what you have been watching this week.
2: Well, thanks to the aforementioned hashtag slash tag, I dipped into a show that I don't understand why hasn't been Hashtag slash tagged earlier to me. Uh, It's a show called The Other Two. I'd never heard of it. It's in season two. Somehow, I completely missed the first season. That happens a
1: lot, by the way. Like shows are very good, but I you don't really hear about until the second season. But go
2: go ahead. Well, in this case,
1: season two and one
0: hit HBO Max recently. Right, right, right. right? So, oh, did
2: they hit the same time? Is that why this is happening? Maybe I I just didn't realize that.
0: I don't think season one was on HBO Max until recently. Uh, Ah, well, that
2: explains it. Yeah, Uh, I got there were two hashtag slash tag recommendations back to back of this show, and um. I've heard so, it's great,
0: what, and I'm I saw curious, the I about, saw the yeah.
2: little picture with Molly Shannon, and I'm like Molly Shannon, I'm in. I don't, I don't even know what this is about. I'm in. <laughs> um, I really like this show. It's great. I've I watched all of season one. Can't wait to start season two. I somebody told me that season two is even better than season one. I'm ha- I had a blast with season one. The concept is brilliant. I think. The idea it's it the title is The Other Two. and the sto- the uh the premise is there is this Justin Bieber-esque young phenom boy who uh thanks to a viral YouTube video of him singing becomes the biggest pop star uh, of the moment. And he's just like this meteoric rise to fame and he's just this golden boy just always says the most innocuous thing, you know, Oh, you know, what do you think about global hunger? Boy, I just hope everybody gets fed, you know, that kind of, that kind of like bland, (laughs) innocuous. He's just like, he's, he's, he's he's a non entity. He's just like this fresh faced young white kid. And, but he just seems perfect. He's just like genuinely a nice guy. And his mom is, is Molly Shannon. The show is about, his two older siblings, who are complete kind of fuck ups, <laughs> they they uh, in various ways their lives are not going great, and it, it's just I think the premise is clever because it's this wonderful contrast of them. They don't harbor any ill will toward their younger brother, who's becoming this you know big pop sensation. But it is the juxtaposition of his sort of charmed, uh, unrealistic life and their being in the trenches, the, the, the older brother, uh, has wanted to be an actor at, in New York and, and, you know, wants to have, uh, a, a career of, of substance. Um, uh, and the sister is kind of this much more, a uh, reckless, um, uh, a, a life of in disarray, doesn't really know what she wants. And it's a broad comedy. And you have Molly Shannon being like the super stage mom, who's just super sweet all the time. I found it very funny. I found it very smartly written. There's some absolutely, I think, laser precise uh, cultural uh, skewering. It's a great show. It's called The Other Two, and I, I am so glad I I was turned on to this because I had it was not on my radar at all.
0: All right. Uh, That's the other two. It's streaming right now on HBO Max, seasons one and two. Jeff, you've been watching a lot of stuff that is on my list that I'm intending to get to. The other two is one of those things. Val is another one of those things that's streaming on Prime Video. This is Mm -hmm. also something you've watched this week, right?
2: Yeah. I've been wanting to watch Val for a while. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. Ariel, have you seen Val? The Val Kilmer documentary on uh, Amazon Prime? I
3: have not yet, but I would like to.
2: Yeah, I recommend it. Uh, If you have any passing interest in Val Kilmer as a as an actor, as a human, as a sort of uh, uh, as Mad Mardigan, as Mad Mardigan. Yeah. As uh, Iceman, as a sort of um, placeholder for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. He kind of represents that late 80s, early 90s. You know, he was Batman. He was you know, he, he he was this actor of the moment that that um made some really interesting work i mean the doors uh it's it's anyway he's also a very tragic <laughs> story in a lot of ways uh he recently in the last several years uh had throat cancer and now uh, has a um had a i believe had a tracheotomy uh, but now speaks um with a device in his throat and is unable to um speak and breathe at the same time or speak and eat at the same time he has to press a little button in his throat and it, you know, it, it sounds very, um, artificial. So of course his life is completely different. And that came sort of out of the blue it, it, while he was uh, touring this one man show that he wrote about Mark Twain. Um, anyway, so this, this documentary, uh, is written by him and utilizes scores of personal VHS tapes that he had taken over his lifetime. He was one of those people. It's funny. I also spoke about the Soleil Moon Fry documentary that sort of has a similar premise where these uh, young, successful, wealthy kids in the 80s got camcorders before anybody else and were so enamored by the process of being able to record their lives that they just did a ton of it and then kind of put them in a closet for a long time. And this is in a similar way, Val Kilmer Revisiting all these hours and hours of footage of his life, and forming that into a uh, a narrative that really shows a lot of, I think, fascinating behind the scenes footage of uh, the all the movies. I mean, it's every movie. If you are a Val Kilmer fan for any of the movies, you will get something interesting for that movie in this documentary. There'll be some behind the scenes footage that has never before been seen. Um, you know, Tombstone, Tombstone's is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, there's some wonderful, like behind the scenes footage with, uh, Kurt Russell. And, um, there's, I mean, it's worth the price of admission alone to see the, the footage that he shoots on the set of the Island of Dr. Moreau, which is a, one of, um, uh, Marlon Brando's final films. And it, it, so all of that stuff is very interesting and voyeuristic and, uh, I found to be compelling as an actor and as somebody who's fascinated with the process of acting. He talks at length about his approach and what acting means to him. It goes in depth in his his training. He went to Ju- he was one of the youngest um, people to be accepted into Juilliard uh, in the eighties. Um, but more than all that, I mean, really, what the thrust of this documentary is? It's a very melancholy look at. Um, a life that was littered with tragedy and, um, had a lot of, um, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very sad, sad work, this, this documentary overall, because his life was framed by his younger brother drowning at the age of 15. And that seems to have affected his entire experience, uh, 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 you know, his entire life um and 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 the movie constantly is framed around that um so it is it is there are moments of levity and he seems to be a very positive person even in his um his inability to do the work that he has done his entire life he seems to be a very positive person but the experience of watching the documentary i found to be profoundly sad it is uh it it is i mean any documentary where you see footage of a person's life, I I find moving just in the the perception of time and how we all live a life and and what we think in one moment and what we realize in the next, um, that juxtaposition in these kinds of documentaries, I always find very powerful. Uh, but this one is particularly so because of these various life stages that he goes through and his sort of, his reflection on all of that, um... Is uh, I mean, there's some very beautiful moments and some very funny moments, but for the most part, I found it to be uh, a really sad look at this charmed life. I mean, he he says in the movie, "I've lived a magical life," mm-hmm. and I, I think he has no regrets in that sense. But it's also uh, it's also a, a a life that was full of some real sadness, and and it, that comes through.
0: Is it ultimately a documentary you recommend, Jeff?
2: It is. Like I said, if you have even a passing interest in Val Kilmer and any of his films or his career, I think it is well worth watching. Um, it, it is certainly from his perspective. So I, while I think he is honest to a point, I would not expect if you were entering this a... a um, like no, an, f-
0: it's not a necessarily even-handed view of his yes.
2: It is it, it, it is yes, it is it is a guy who is is sort of expressing himself in a, in the only way he is able to now. Um one of the things that's quite beautiful is that the movie is narrated and he wrote all the narration, but he does not speak it. He employs his son to speak it. And that mm. alone is is very moving because it's written in the first person, but mm. it is his son speaking the father's words and his son actually has a voice that sounds a lot like young Val Kilmer, um, so it, you know it's it's a it's a very personal piece, and I think it is very subjective. There's no objective look at his career. You know, he does show some warts. You know, uh, of his life, his divorce, and um, you know, there's a lot of like home movie footage. But I don't think he is. It is not a revealing piece in the sense of him um, coming to terms with a lot of the reputation that he had. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of news during his life that he did a lot of uh, substance abuse. None of that is in the documentary, mm. so it's not you know it's not an objective look at this. It's not a biopic about you know yeah. a subject. It is him sort of stepping through his own life and reflecting.
0: All right. Well, I am really looking forward to checking this out. I've heard amazing things about it. It's called Val, and it's streaming right now on Prime Video. Jeff, anything else you've been watching?
2: Uh, it's really even, not even worth mentioning, but I, I did uh, <laughs> but watch. But you're going to. Well, uh, <laughs> the Hotel Makeover is a new uh, Netflix show. Uh, I will say if you put Hotel Makeover into Google, the first thing that comes up is annoying. And well, I think that's pretty accurate. I think
0: that's pretty. <laughs> oh, you accurate. You mean the autocomplete?
2: Yes, yes, the autocomplete. I think that's um, actually
0: based on your history, Jeff. So I, when I put "hotel makeover" in, I get "hotel makeover Netflix." So
2: keep keep looking.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's down there. It's down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 well, I was, is on the first, of the top ten. You know. Yes, that's, uh, the, the, that's the
2: yes. That's what I was explaining. I see. I, I, I may maybe uh, exaggerated slightly to say it was the first thing that <laughs> yeah, comes yeah, up, yeah, but yeah. it is
0: it's it's like the third choice for me. The third, <laughs> there you go. The third
2: there choice. You go. So yeah, definitely my Google search is what made that happen. Uh, <laughs> thanks thanks uh anyway that's that that's an accurate assessment as far as i'm concerned the the concept is is fascinating it's it's a hotel make or it's a um a like home makeover show
0: wait is this is is this hotel makeover or motel makeover because i think there's two separate things
2: god whatever one's the newest (laughs) (laughs) it's these two women who uh
0: are they renovating motels jeff
2: yeah, I mean, is what's it, the is difference? It a then it is, it, a it is a big building? I think it is a smaller hotel
0: makeover.
2: <laughs> Hotels <laughs> are fancy, hotel, motels motel are not. Holiday Inn. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm sorry, what did so you say? Ariel? Look, I'm
0: gonna here, let, let's do this. I'm, I googled motel versus hotel. Okay, <laughs> what is the difference between a hotel or an, and a motel? A hotel is usually a large enclosed building with hundreds of rooms across multiple floors, while a motel has one or two floors with outdoor room entrances. Mm-hmm. So, it, I'm guessing this is motel makeover, and I, I don't think hotel makeover even
2: exists. Oh, well, uh, then that answers that, doesn't it?
0: Maybe it does. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh yeah, so so but they were in fact renovating motels
2: on the show. Fair fair enough. Yes. Okay. Uh, so it's a motel makeover, and I I feel like <laughs> as much of it is accurate, and I <laughs> intend to be accurate. I want to be accurate, <laughs> and yet, does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> well, I think we yeah, we want to uh, in a sense yes and in another sense no, Jeff.
2: Somebody was was like, "Oh, i sure would like to see a hotel wait, a motel makeover show. I'm out."
1: <laughs> who gives, who cares about
0: motels? That really yeah. swung that really it swung it. It has external entrances. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were you 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 said the words hotel makeover. Their ear their curiosity was peaked. Then we corrected yeah. it to motel, they turned off the podcast.
2: They're out gone yeah. actually i I, <laughs> I i joke but that is my wife my wife is like external entrances i'm not staying there uh that is like, she yeah, but she's it's also just
1: another yeah. thing of where you're gonna stay yeah there yeah,
2: yeah. uh anyway <laughs> uh the whole concept behind this, we've talked way more about this wow. than it deserves the whole concept behind this is that they take a like rundown crappy Motel mm-hmm. and they a building
1: with external entrances, yeah,
2: <laughs> indeed, 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 and then they close off all those entrances and turn it into a hotel. No, oh, wow, um, no, it is, uh, but they they take these like like twenty nine dollar a night, you know, completely run down pieces of junk place, these, you know uh, dives, whatever you want right. to call them. I think they call them uh, motels, then, but yep, and they literally like slap a coat of paint on them and charge. a night for the same room and you watch them do that. And it is so obnoxious. It is so obnoxious. You go like, you're just explaining to the rubes how you're taking their money. And the two women, I mean, bless their hearts. They came up with a great scheme to make a whole lot of money because it's just, they just like, it's just branding. It's just reframing the same crappy room, but they, now it's yellow. And it's like, woo. it's, you know, design, but, uh, but they're they're so transparent about it. And they have this, this brand. Uh, I can't remember what it even called. Like, I can't remember what it's called the Lucy or something like that. And they, they constantly refer to the brand in the third person. Like we need to Lucy it up. We need to Lucy it. Is it this Lucy enough? We need to Lucy it. And it's like, it is just the most obnoxious. I mean, my wife and I sat down. We love a we love a good home Reno show, you know. Uh, and we're like, "Oh, cool! A Reno show about motels." We said to each other, "Motels with an M." And we turned and we high five. We're like, "Oh yeah, external entrances. Let's do this!" And uh, <laughs> and then we were uh, we could. I mean, we didn't make it through an entire episode. It was like wow, this is,
0: oh, these, wow. Okay. it is just of so, not. Ob- I was like wondering when there was going to be a but. It's actually really cool to yeah, blah, no. blah, But this whole thing is just a takedown of this reality Take show. Takedown, yeah. I see, okay.
2: Takedown of well, Motel well, Makeover. Well, I'm really
0: glad we got the title right. Um, yeah. It's Motel Makeover. Hey, what, oh, what, I found,
2: what I found so uh, <laughs> uh, gratifying about this was that um, when I was Googling this to bring it up on the show, I uh-huh. typed it in and Google like said annoying. And I was like, I'm not the only one <laughs> Google agrees with me. Mm-hmm, I just thought mm-hmm. that was, good. I didn't bother to click on the Google link to find out what
0: yeah. Just, Cause if you had, you would have found that the first result was hotelmakeover.com, a full service hotel <laughs> renovator, not related to the show at all. Mm. And then the second result is motel makeover. <laughs> you mm. know, if you had, if you had clicked on that hotel makeover, Google result,
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: But you didn't do that.
2: So. No, but, you know, I feel like I did all of the prep work that this show deserved.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that's Motel Makeover. It's what Jeff kanata is been watching this week. Devinder, you want to hit us up with a couple things you've been watching?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, I will. I've been watching For All Mankind, a show <sighs> I've been meaning to watch forever Me too. yes I, I feel like we all have and we've so are you on season
2: two of, of for all i'm kind. not I've on season it's... two no, oh, no
1: no everyone says you yet.
2: got to get to season two everyone says it gets you got to
1: gotta get to season yeah two. I'm, I'm gonna be here and be real with y'all okay because uh people it's hard to tell people like you got to get to season two to watch this entire show um <laughs> i think i'm about like five or six episodes in right now it's really really good that, that is what I'm saying. It, you, it, don't you, don't know, you, you don't need to get to season two. You don't need to get, get season to season two. two. It's already good in season one, right? But uh, the I, I guess the one kicker is um, episode three probably should have been the pilot. How about that? <laughs> yeah. How about that? They, they kind of wasted <laughs> two episodes. Um, so this is a show co-created by Ronald D. Moore, who rebooted Battlestar Galactica. I love him so much. I want him to do space shit again. So <laughs> I, I was excited to check this out. When this first premiered, I think it was two years ago, I checked out the first episode on Apple TV Plus and just kind of it just kind of evaporated to me. You know, it's like at that point, it felt like Apple TV was just trying really hard to do prestige TV. Um, It's a cool concept. It is an alternate history um, tale of the space race where the opening scene of the first episode is the Soviet Union landing on the moon. And the entire show is about America's response to that. Right. Because then America is like, well, we got to we got to hurry up. We got to, like, accelerate our space plan. Um, And like things happen in those first two episodes. They set up the characters, you get the world like you, you see the people who are working in NASA at the moment. Joel Kinnaman is one of the main astronauts. He's Edward Baldwin. Um, Chris Bauer, who I love. Chris Bauer from The Wire and a bunch of other shows. Um, You know, he is he is like the head of, uh, I guess, the people managing all the astronauts. It is no harmsters in this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're getting it. I went to college with him. Oh, really? This guy I went to college with. Yeah. He's
1: That's a really cool. Just... He's a really cool character. I like him in the show. Um, it's, a, it's a great cast, but it's really all about the astronauts who basically fail to get to the moon before the Soviet Union. So the first two episodes kind of follow that immediate reaction of America, like really just hustling the space program. Then something happens in episode two, which I'm just going to spoil here, too, because I feel like I, I want to get people to watch the show. And if I reveal more information than the show stupidly, you know, didn't, um, I feel like it would encourage more people. The end of the first episode is the Soviet Union gets lands the first woman on the moon. And the third episode is Richard Nixon's presidency being like, holy shit, we got to get women on the moon. Like, we got to really accelerate this whole space race. Um, and it becomes this thing where it's like, it's showing us a world where if America didn't exactly win, but had to keep like fighting in the space race and keep pumping money into it and keep like basically promoting it. And if uh, we as a country believed in it a little more, maybe um, how things could be different. And then by episode three, they're like, okay, we, we need like a, a very fast uh, like female astronaut recruitment. We get to We got to get like people into space quickly. And, the show kind of just builds on it from there. And it's just, it is, it is a wonderful thing to see. It's a wonderful thing to see too, because I believe America didn't get a woman to space for a very long time after the Soviet union in real life. Um, You know, it's a world where people believe in going to space and it kind of, it it, it means so much to the country. Um, But it's really kind of wonderful to see, like, even if it's sometimes just for, Showmanship, you know, it's just for like, oh, Russia did it first. We got to we got to like catch up to them. Um, there's a lot of cynicism there, especially since this is all happening under Nixon. I believe this is a Nixon without Watergate, too. So he like he is the guy he's the guy who's putting women into space. Like he, he is kind of a hero at this point, or at least in, in the point I'm watching in the show. Just a really weird thing to see. Uh, but I'm really digging it. Uh, you just kind of have to get to episode three. I feel like the reveal at the end of episode two and the whole pilot and everything that should have just been one episode, you know, or at least do the work and get us to episode three. Um, you know, do all of that in the pilot, do it in the first episode. Tell us what the show is really about, because this is what the show is really about. It's about equality in space. It's about fighting to build, um, you know, uh, build more space, move faster than we did in real life, and you know, we kind of just gave up on space in the eighties and the nineties. Um, it is all about that pursuit, and then yeah, I hear season two is even better. And one thing I want to point out, yeah.
2: So I was just say I, I heard that the the original premise for the show, uh, which is the reason I originally wanted to watch it. And I, I watched the first episode. I was like, oh, this is really slow. Yeah, But yeah. the original premise for the show was each season is a decade. It starts in the 60s and then goes to the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the, the the original idea was that it would go past now uh-huh. and into the future. So it, it actually was always going to be a sci-fi show. You just see the step-by-step... <sighs> yeah as to how, like how, get how do you to get sci-fi.
1: to the the civilization that's in Battlestar galactica yeah yeah right? it's like
2: star trek but yep. starting yep. in the 60s it's but wild that, that is pretty, pretty much cool what idea. it is
1: uh because even like five six episodes in like we are jumping time we are jumping yeah. years between episodes it's almost like the crown again referencing the crown but it's all it, it's like highlighting key moments uh some characters disappear for several episodes um it is kind of hard to keep track of everybody to be honest but I love the propulsiveness of the storytelling. Like Once you get past those first two episodes, you kind of see where everything is headed and they can actually start moving. Um, it is kind of wild. And I am loving this show. Um, hopefully more people will be able to check it out. Maybe we could talk about it at some point. But, yeah, I am around episode six right now. And I'm just really digging it. I, I hope this show sticks around long enough for us to get to that point where they go past where we are now. Like, I mean, at this point, they're talking about like building things on the moon. Which to me, imagine like us trying to do that, um, you know, as a society in the '60s or the '70s, just wild to me. Um, there's a lot of cool, like, just historical thinking going on the show, so I think it's a lot of fun. It, 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 I mean, it basically becomes science fiction pretty quickly, but I, I am very eager to see where the rest of it goes. Love the cast, love the writing, and I love that Ronald D. Moore is like back here doing this. I, I wonder if the ultimate thing is like. You know, you fast forward long enough, like, baby, we we just told you how we got to Battlestar Galactica, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. if that's the ultimate point of the show, I would I would clap forever. But I, it's a lot of fun at this. point.
2: My friend said that the season one finale is one of the best yes, season finales he's ever that. seen. So I've, I, that, yeah. I, I've been meaning to revisit the show. And I'm glad to hear that it, it picks up speed for you.
0: I am looking forward to checking it out. I've heard great things. It's for all mankind. It's streaming right now on Apple TV.
1: We're we're in between like big prestige shows right now, you know. So th- this is kind of the po- the time, guys. Like Succession is coming. Um, a lot a lot of new things are going to be coming soon. So if you've got a lull in your TV watching, now's a great time to start for all mankind. Yeah. Uh, Davinger, anything else you want to mention? Just want to shout out uh, a new game that premiered today or that launched today. It is called Deathloop. And you've probably been hearing about it quite a bit, but I want to shout it out here because it's a ton of fun. And it's from Arcane Studios, who are one of my favorite developers. I think, like, undersung geniuses, these are the folks behind Prey and the Dishonored series, but mainly the Dishonored series. I love the Dishonored games. And this game is sort of a, it, it is Groundhog Z in a way, like so many games are these days. Like, there there is a time loop. You are a person trying to break this time loop. You can repeat a day over and over again and kill different people and collect all these clues. But what I love about Death Loop, I'm just shouting this out there, is that it, all the elements of Dishonored are in this game, and the really strong storytelling and the great writing and the powers that you get in Dishonored. It is kind of funny because I I almost feel like they thought to themselves, like, we create all this cool shit. And we need more people to like play some of these games or like, what else can we do with a power that lets somebody teleport instantly, you know, or a power that lets you link together multiple people so that if you shoot one, they all kind of die. It's all this cool gameplay stuff. And I think they've done it really well. So if you if you dig my taste in games, because I've talked about games before, if you like interesting narratives, and if you like the Dishonored games, check out Deathloop. It is fantastic. It's on PS5 right now.
0: All right, that's Deathloop. That's something else that Devinder's been checking out this week.
2: Hey, got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsorship station. So you have started your own online store, have you? You're doing what you love, are you? Selling products that people want, and orders are coming in fast. Now's the hard part. Believe me, I know I've been through this. Shipping those products out. I did a Kickstarter years ago, and I used... Physical objects as a reward. Gosh, I wish I'd had ShipStation because ShipStation makes it easy. With ShipStation, it's simple to import, manage, and ship your orders out fast for a lot less money. It's no wonder ShipStation is the number one shipping software for e commerce sellers with more five star reviews than anyone else. Import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier using the deeply discounted rates, and automate just about any shipping task. You spend a lot less time on shipping and a lot more time growing your business. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. You'll even get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and the Postal Service. Easily compare carriers and choose the best solution every time. With ShipStation, small businesses can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. Ship more in less time. Just use the promo code FILMCAST to get a 60-day free trial that's two months for free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in Filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code Filmcast and make ship happen.
0: Okay, Ariel Fisher. Yes. Tell us, what have you been watching this week?
3: I have been watching uh, the new season of American Horror Story, which I usually have a lot of very strong feelings Mm -hmm. about the way it (laughs) deals with horror. Mm -hmm.
2: I can't can't even look at the bus ads for that show. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) it's pretty. It's pretty scary, man. (laughs) It's disturbing. Anyway, it's not. That.
3: Oh, come on! It's light. That's that's easy.
0: <laughs>
2: this okay. is this is
0: this You're, is Jeff, the light Jeffrey, stuff. Jeffrey, you are talking to the managing editor of
2: Fangoria Magazine. <laughs> I, I I realize that. I uh, I, should, I should know. I should know better. <laughs> I am I am revealing my uh, my uh, squeamishness. Squeamish. Thank yeah. you. Yes.
3: Yeah, if, if martyrs ever comes up and someone suggests it, run the other way. Um, Okay, so which
0: season is this? Is this like the 10th season or something like
3: that? This is the 10th season, yeah. And for the first time in the series history, they are actually making a decision that I think is going to make this the best season of of the show so far. I am one of the rare folks who think that the best, like, not my favorite, to clarify, because this opinion makes a lot of people real mad, uh, I think that the best executed season of the entire series so far is... um, uh, my Roanoke nightmare, or whatever, or just Roanoke, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think was season seven. I don't remember exactly. Honestly, I they all kind of blur together past a certain point. And what what I'm
2: made There what, has been seven seasons of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is news to me.
3: What,
0: what having, made the Roanoke season of American Horror Story uh, so
3: resonant for you? Uh, it actually played with um, oh God, my brain is failing me. What was it Brian Fuller? No,
0: Ryan what, Murphy. What's it?
3: Brian Murphy, thank you. Why did I think Brian Fuller? What is wrong with me? God. <laughs> Can you tell it's late at night and I'm tired? Maybe. It's late. It's, late. it's yeah, it's 10:30 for me. Um <laughs> no, I with Murphy, he has a penchant for uh particularly with American horror story. He um pardon the vulgarity, he 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 blows his wad a little too quickly and he <laughs> um he like he's he gets through the main arc of what we think we're going to get before or by the halfway point of every single season and just tries to cram way too much in way too, like into too many places where it doesn't belong. And he overcomplicates things and it gets needlessly convoluted. And asylum is my least favorite for this exact reason, because it combines like you have, um, possession, killer Santa Claus, aliens, uh, uh it, it, and Frank, like, there's, there's, I, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding.
0: Did, did not predict that that uh, was yeah. the next thing no, on I, that list. I feel
2: point. like yeah. that was like a uh, Mad Libs, <laughs> right? <laughs> that wow. that
3: was the Mad Libiest of all of the American horror story seasons. Um, but Roanoke, on the other hand, decided to actually use Murphy's penchant for splitting the season in half, and have a clear divide so the first half of the season is this kind of reality television show kind of spoof where it's like a drama uh like a dramatization of a real haunting um so you have actors who are playing like who are playing uh versions of the real their real life counterparts so like sarah paulson for example is this british actress who's playing the part of um uh, the woman who was actually haunted in this case. So it's a it's an incredible cast. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. is in this season, and it's bizarre. Um, and they the whole first part of the season is just this kind of documentary about the haunting of this family. And then the second half is like return to Roanoke. And it's as if it's like the anniversary of the series. Mm -hmm. And it's the actors and the real life people coming back. And it's found footage style instead. And shit actually goes haywire.
1: I remember, you know what? I watched this, Ariel. And once again, all these things kind of uh, blend together for me. But I agree. That was a really fun season. I tend to just watch like the first one or two episodes. Because that's yeah. that's really all I want. I'm like, what, what is the <laughs> setting this time? Cool. Who are the characters? Some people get killed. And I'm out before Ryan Murphy disappoints me. That's the only way to watch the series.
3: I mean, like, that's the thing. And that's what happened in Freak Show is that yep. you get this amazing clown character. And you think that what you're going to get is this really peculiar story. And he gets killed off like six episodes in. Not even. And it's like, okay, well, that was what we were hyped up for. And it's not this big reveal that you think it's going to be. It's actually a huge letdown because then you've, you've amped up your audience for something and you don't deliver in this season. It's, it's American horror story, double feature. So it's, it's deliberately split directly down the middle. There are theories as to whether or not the first half and the second half are going to coincide. Um, I don't remember the name of the second half of the season, but the first half is called um, Red Tide. And at first there were a lot of there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not it would be kind of like this vampiric mermaid sort of situation. But now it's shaping up to be a little bit more uh, uh, Salem's lot than anything else. But like tied in with some, you know, nods to The Shining and some other really fun stuff. And it's actually being executed perfectly because it's working in the length of, of episodes that best suit an arc for Murphy. Like it's it's so far working out perfectly, and it's really fun. It's completely absurd. It's utterly disgusting, and it's loaded with camp in all the right corners. And so far, it's rivaling Roanoke for me in terms of good execution. I'm a Coven fan myself if I had to pick my favorite
0: all right. Well, you're really getting me interested in potentially checking this out. and this is this is a show that I could check out like. Uh, even if I haven't seen like the earlier seasons, I could like dive into like Roanoke and this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No,
3: you can take them out of order. It's an anthology series, so each season is is <laughs> yeah. self contained. Although I, I almost feel like they start if, connecting them. If, but if you start
1: an, letting yeah. Ryan Murphy's uh, horror stuff get to you, Dave, like I I feel, I feel like you will get angry because <laughs> he is a guy who he takes a lot of shortcuts. There's a mm. lot of shorthand for these characters. Mm. He, yep. he he really just like. I think at some point, like, just doesn't care about what the audience thinks or would want, you know, in a oh, show no. like this. Like, so yeah, at times they have made me physically angry, and I like my wife loves <laughs> horror stuff too. So like, we will just stop and just be like, okay, well, we'll check back in next season because he's on his bullshit again. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's always
3: on his bullshit yep. though. Every All season right. he is on his bullshit, so it's kind should of I, you should gotta I take check it with out Roanoke first because that yeah, sounds yeah. really intriguing. It's, it's
1: cool. Check
0: it out. I yeah. really
3: dug Roanoke. I I highly recommend it. Murder right. House was a little too derivative for me, and that's mm-hmm. saying something.
0: I think that the seasons are streaming on Hulu, is my guess. Um, that is,
3: yes, that is correct. They are but on
0: But yeah, Hulu. Uh, the new American crime story, I'm sorry, American horror story <laughs> season, uh, double feature. Man. Ryan Murphy he has sh- too much power. We need to. <laughs> he has
1: all of the too power. Too much power.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you're enjoying this season, and it sounds pretty intriguing. And uh, Macaulay Culkin is in it, right? So, yes, he is. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already in. Um, but, uh, that's American horror story, double feature it's streaming right now on FX and Hulu. Uh, and that's what Ariel has been watching. All right. Before we get to our review of malignant, why don't we do some weekly plugs real quick? Weekly. weekly Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something that we've created or something that someone else has created that we're into. Uh, I got a weekly plug. I, uh, uh, In addition to the conversation we just had about Matrix Resur- Resurrections trailer, I also had a chance to talk with uh, our uh, friend of the show, Patrick Willems, about the trailer. Uh, this is obviously a movie both Patrick and I are really excited about. Um, so yeah, we spent uh, quite a bit of time diving into speculation. It's, very un- it's actually m- much less thoughtful and structured even than the conversation we had today about it uh because it, i was i'd woken up at like 6 a.m to watch it and then comment on it which is not something i'd ever recommend but patrick does a great job articulating his thoughts check that out it's on my youtube channel we'll link to it in the show notes
1: divin hardware your weekly plug oh yeah i want to shout out uh facebook smart glasses which are called the ray like ray-ban stories it's a terrible name I don't know, uh, but we've been talking about smart glasses. We've talked yeah. about AR and stuff here before too. And every I got a Ray-Ban to,
2: story ends the same way. <laughs> exactly. That's how I've with, lost my Ray-Ban an
0: intrusion. Every Ray-Ban story ends the same way
1: with an intrusion of privacy, which
0: apparently these Absolutely. glasses easily
1: facilitate. These are glasses with two cameras. Yes, uh, you can also listen to stuff on them and take calls with the with the like ear parts, uh, the arms. Um, we've been, you know, hearing that Facebook would work on smart glasses for a while. This is kind of their first step into it. And I wrote it up over in gadget. Um, yeah, guys, I, I we are not ready for a world where everybody has cameras on their faces, uh, let alone one, like uh, product coming from Facebook. It's also kind of funny cause they're kind yep. of, this is, it's just Ray-Ban branding on them. They look exactly like Ray-Bans. Uh, Facebook is trying to keep real quiet, almost like they don't want you to, to make you you know realize what you're buying into here. Um, right, and, and yeah. my understanding is that, uh,
0: according to the reviews I've read, that it is very easy to film people without them knowing that they're being filmed.
1: Yeah, because they, they put on a like a red LED security light to inform everybody. But if you uh, if you if you just cover that up with a piece, <laughs> what is of tape? this
3: Orwellian nightmare?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, smart glasses are a thing. Uh, Snap the Snapchat spectacles have been around for a couple of years. Uh, those mainly existed cool. like to be a thing where you record video while you're walking around. You could put it up on Snapchat. Um, there are a whole bunch of smart glasses out there these days. Uh, I would this say, one, to be
0: fair, these these Snapchat spectacles looked very much like they were a camera. Like they, you you, you, <laughs> yeah. you could walk around with them on, and yeah. yeah, yes, it's still possible to record people without them knowing. But like, they are very, mm-hmm. they are much more flashy
1: yes. as cameras. Like, they were they're, very they're not like incognito yeah they were very pieces. ugly sunglasses with like huge cameras <laughs> yes. the thing about this and certainly it's funny you brought up the whole like panopticon idea ariel because this mm-hmm. is basically what facebook is gonna be building and Jesus a lot of Christ. other companies are gonna be doing this too because these things look and feel exactly like normal ray-ban wayfarers like they weigh exactly the same uh the design's the same like they're not thicker like uh some of the older smart glasses had to be uh, so you don't look like a giant dork wearing them. Basically, they look cool and functional, uh, but they have cameras in them. They have cameras in them, and it's very easy to like, yeah, start taking videos or photos of people. Um, you can't live stream just yet, but I'm um, like, future versions will definitely get us there. Um, the lenses, the camera lenses, almost kind of like blend into the black frame. So you know that is that's a way to make people feel less weird about wearing them. Um, also, things like Google Glass failed because they looked so weird and alien and Borg-like. So this whole category, like for them to succeed, they have to be normal. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Because we we can barely behave properly, you know, with the cameras in our smartphones. Imagine if people had the power to just, like, you know, say something and start recording from whatever they're seeing or tap their glasses or whatever. We are not ready for this world. And I, I, yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to, like, what this will bring because more companies are going to be doing this. And uh, eventually we'll get to, like, full-on AR glasses but I'm more worried about the camera glasses, to be honest, like the, the steps getting us there. We as a society are like in trouble. Cause we, we haven't really reckoned with smartphones. We haven't really reckoned with social media and what it has done to us. So, you know, Hey, I think, I think the moral feature. of the story is if you see someone wearing Ray-Bans, rip them
0: straight off their face. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> throwing it on that. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> just throw it to the ground. I um, think yeah. that
2: we as a culture need to do that thing that you do, mm-hmm. On the roller coaster where you just put your hands up, you know, yeah. on the no, way no, down. No, no, no. Yeah. Just go, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and then whatever happens, happens. Maybe you fly out of the roller coaster. Maybe you stay in and who knows? Are, you, are yeah. you
1: saying yes, we should j- jump into smart glasses, Jeff? Is that what you're saying? Are, are you I, I, saying embrace I, I, the surveillance feature, Jeff? Is that what? That, yeah?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it's and, worked uh, that well b- for, for <laughs> us. Hard <pass>. 100%. 100%. <laughs>
1: literally, literally everything that has happened in the
2: last decade,
1: Jeff. Um, is, I, I'm not yeah, being serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I know. Not But I've talked to people serious. who are like, yeah, this, this is cool technology. We're going to get there anyway. Let's just go for it. And yeah, guys. If anything, I I cover tech. I'm in the like deepest tech, and we are not ready for this because we're barely ready for what we have right now. Yeah,
3: we have to earn that shit. My God, oh
2: my. <laughs> we have to earn it. Yes,
3: Ugh. seriously I think, though, like we are really not ready for that.
2: Yeah. Well, Ariel notwithstanding, I would say, <laughs> I I would say that we are the olds. We are the olds, and I think. This is not made for the olds. It's the this, old. I don't think the youngs the care. Olds. In it's the not same even way about that. It's about like do. what it
1: means, basically. So it's not like yeah. I'm not saying I'm not telling you to buy them or not to buy them. I'm saying like this is like what I saw. I was there when smartphone <laughs> cameras became a thing. I was there like talking to the founders of Snapchat when they were nobody, you know, or not not Snapchat Instagram.
3: Like, so I are was, you saying you remember when
2: I remember? <laughs> yeah, because when. you're old. That's <laughs> what
3: I'm because saying. I'm
1: old. And uh, we had a lot of questions for them. Those people didn't have a lot of answers. And yeah. you look around right now and uh, oof, a lot of the things we were concerned about, uh, especially when it comes to Facebook and how it handles privacy or how Facebook got mm-hmm. so big, it cannot deal with its weight uh, in in the culture, in, in civilization. Um, yeah, we. I have a lot of concerns, basically. It's not I even just being be- about, I'm not being like a crank here, being like, No, ah, you're geez. not. I'm being like, we are, our, our very existence is threatened by things like this. Like, uh, yeah, it's rough. It's rough out there, folks. And somebody the fact, get worse.
3: The fact right. that it's done by Facebook, because, like, I mm-hmm. saw your videos on Twitter about it. I saw you at the park with your, with yep. your daughter and yep. you were, like, pushing him on swing and everything. I... I had no idea Facebook had any involvement, and now that I know they do, I'm infinitely more terrified. Particularly yeah. because of how quiet their branding is. So, well, the fun that alone part is, is that worth shouting.
2: Yeah. the fun part is that they had multiple third party consultants that uh, they they brought on board to uh, make sure that the privacy issues were dealt with. You know, very nice sounding companies, and it turns out all of them, every single one of the third part third parties uh have gotten a check from facebook multiple times no. uh, over the course of their history they are funded in large part by facebook these third party uh oversight i can hear your air groups. quotes from here <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, i'm doing yeah. Them, i'm actually doing them with my fingers um, <laughs> it's also the, like uh, none, even if they weren't
1: being funded by facebook i, I do think like in a certain sense like some of these companies if they want to keep working with Facebook right they're not gonna point out the like killer thing that will destroy this product they're not they're not gonna like step in the way of progress you know but it,
3: but, but but the definition of progress is a yep. fluid concept that here is being yep. defined by capitalistic means and Orwellian <sighs> theories this is insane oh my god
2: yeah I right. was also forwarded an article this week uh, by a fan who uh, was was hipping me to this um this new uh, company it's that's doing. You? Yeah, yeah, now how old are we,
0: Jeff? These, I'm these so hep old. Cat, these hepcats out there. Yeah,
2: there's some uh, <laughs> some gro- some groovy, groovy, groovy folks. Yeah. Uh,
0: radical, um, dude.
2: Yeah. Cowabunga! Uh, how anyway, dare you? How dare you use radical? Jeff is doing no, boss knowing, knowing that here? I made yeah. an entire career out of using that word. Um, no, they uh, <laughs> they hit me to this uh, this company that's that's doing uh, live streaming deepfakes. Mm. So you can do, you yep. can stream on Twitch as whomever you like, as whomever you choose. Can you it, dig it. It will, tra- yeah. it will oh transform God. your face into someone else's face and make it seem as if that other person is live streaming. Yep. What could go wrong?
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> he, and you were scared of the American Horror Story posters? Are you kidding me? Yeah.
2: Fair, fair point.
0: Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, check out Devindra's test of Facebook smart glasses. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug.
2: Pick the wrong lifetime to have kids, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, do you like limericks? <laughs> There's a pivot.
0: Amazing transition.
2: Oh, that was
3: wonderful. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Um, I I craft them just for you <laughs> over on my cameo cameo.com slash Jeff canada. Uh, don't judge tonight's limerick because they're much better than tonight's. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, people have been very pleased with the results. I've done well over a hundred limericks at this point. Uh, you can choose it for any occasion. Uh, I've done birth of children. I've done birthdays. I've done w- anniversaries. Uh, I've done. I get a promotion <laughs> for somebody at work. I've done whatever you want. I'll make a limerick about it. Cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. See all the five star reviews. Um, People man. are very pleased with the results. Can't wait till right.
1: Mark Zuckerberg hears your ad, Jeff, and is like, "Oh, Jeff, you want to can, can I get a it?" Cameo could be
2: Mark Zuckerberg. Maybe just somebody glasses? on
1: Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> Ariel Fisher, your
0: weekly plug.
3: My weekly plug is infinitely less terrifying than you know two plugs ago. Uh, it is, although it is actually least, appropriately named. Mm-hmm. It is a, a column cl- I share I'm with. I'm
2: glad you didn't include mine though. That's pretty very, very
3: kind of you. No, no, yours is yours is not terrifying. Yours so is, good. is so good. your segue was perfect. You gave Thank me a you. laugh. This
0: weekly plug is more existential than it is terrifying. But yes. Yeah. Anyway, go go ahead, Ariel. <laughs>
3: Uh, appropriately, my, uh, my plug is a weekly column on slash film that I share with Matt Donato called scariest scene ever. Just, just
0: rub it in that slash film involvement. Ah, slash film. That oh. sounds
2: like a really great website. Yeah, we it should be amazing. Stars,
3: the guilt. I am. Okay. No, no. Okay. Canadian Jew. I'm not taking the guilt from y'all. Okay. It's not
0: happening. Okay. So the, the title of the most recent. Uh, Column is Aliens is one of the most scariest movies ever made. This scene is one of its creepiest. Do you want to he give is. away what the scene is, or, or do you want to? Yeah, no. Go the the
3: article has been out for for about a week. It, this week, it's going to be Matt's turn, but I don't even know what he's picked yet, so it's still very early. I may have a link later on when when the episode goes live. We'll see. Um, but yeah, the the scene that I chose for last week was uh, when Ripley and Newt are stuck in the med lab. Obviously, we're dealing with the director's <laughs> cut here. Come on. Um, <laughs> and there's, I mean, get that taste theatrical. Levels.
0: Fuck off with the theatrical cuts. We're doing <laughs> director's on. cut only here. Yes.
3: Only. Um, yeah. When they're stuck in the med lab after Burke releases two face huggers when they're taking a nap and mm. then they wake up and have to deal with them because uh-huh. they're yeah. phobic And that scene scares the ever loving fuck out of me.
2: Well, you don't think of the you don't think of aliens as the scary one, but you're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. It does have some Mm -hmm. aliens has some
3: wicked scares. Like there's that one. There's uh, seeing the xenomorph come up behind Newt in the water when she falls down. There's when they peek through the ceiling and you see like the dozens of xenomorphs crawling towards them when they can't see. Like there are a million tiny little terrifying moments. In that movie, it is the more action-packed version compared to Alien, but it is still, it's not a slasher like the first one, but it is definitely still a horror movie. No question.
0: All right. Well, check out Ariel's column with Matt Donato at Slashfilm.com, scariest scene ever. We'll link to it in the show notes. Those are our weekly plugs this week. Oh, oh, actually, one other weekly plug I want to mention, which is that if you want to support the film cast, uh, very easy to do that. You can go to Patreon.com, slash film podcast, and that is how you can financially support the podcast and make it sustainable for the long term. Uh, you can sign up for uh, ad-free episodes or uh, weekly afterdarks. And uh, I have to say, some of the afterdarks in the last couple of months have been pretty awesome. Uh, we've talked a lot about life and about uh, shows like The White Lotus and uh, movies that we've been watching. And I think uh, it's well worth checking out.
2: They've not not willing to say all of them have been awesome, though.
0: Oh, no, not at all. I mean, some of them, real, good, real turds. I would say a good third <laughs> of them are just absolute dog shit. But uh, some of them are really great. Check them out again, uh, patreon.com slash film podcast. Make sure you are signing up for the right tier uh, when you're signing up for uh, the Patreon. Uh, if you don't want to support us financially, Uh, which is very understandable, Uh, then you can support us for free by leaving a review for us at Apple Podcasts. We would
1: greatly appreciate that. Um, So that's a plug for the podcast this week. Hey, everyone. I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Pretty Litter, and also my two new cats. I have two new kittens. Everything I do for my cats is rooted in love, even when they're testing my patience. And, uh, you know, kittens will do that all the time. I always want the best for my cats. Uh, I have an older cat now, so I have three in total. So I still love letting them sleep in my lap even when I really need to get up or, you know, accepting that my furniture will always be destroyed by claws. With my kittens especially, um, I I do kind of love letting them uh, learn their powers and their claws and letting them figure out their boundaries. Love is also keeping tabs on my cat's health. Because nothing is more important than their health and well-being. That's why I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is the best litter for your cat. It changes colors to help detect early signs of potential illness, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. In the past, I've had cats who have had to deal with UTI, so... I appreciate having that extra heads up uh, just in their litter box. Litter box cleanup is also easier with pretty litter too. It's ultra-absorbing crystals trap odor instantly, and it lasts up to a month. And that's a lot better than normal litter. Uh, it involves less scooping. Um, you just kind of have to pick up the poop. Uh, the odor protection is much better. Pretty Litter is also just safer for your cat and the whole household. Most litters that are made out of clay have irritants that can aggravate allergies and asthma, but Pretty Litter's super light crystal base minimizes mess and dust. And Pretty Litter arrives safely at my door in a small lightweight bag. Shipping is free and I never have to worry about storing bulky containers. Uh, When I was living in New York, I used to have to lug back giant litter bags and I just really don't want to repeat that again. Now, I also appreciate the recurring delivery so I don't have to think about even doing the order. Love is putting your cast health first with Pretty Litter. Do what I did and make the switch today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code filmcast for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code filmcast for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code filmcast.
0: All right, folks, let's get to our review of Malignant.
3: The body of Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning.
2: Did you know her? No. But I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening.
3: Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt
1: you in a way that I can't even imagine.
3: Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary
0: friend? He's the devil. That was from the trailer for Malignant, the newest film by James Wan. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Uh, is Madison, it safe I think it's pretty safe okay. Madison is paralyzed by <laughs> shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities I think that's pretty, pretty vague
3: that's safe yes uh, now
0: you know Jeff and Ariel are, are and Devinger are very conscious of the, the spoiler thing of this movie because there are a lot of uh, things in this movie we don't want to give away so we're going to try to make this pre-spoiler section
3: well one thing The one thing. Pre-spoiler
0: section as quick as possible, Uh, but I'd like to start just by getting overall thoughts on *Malignant* from each one of us, and then we'll go to spoilers. But Ariel Fisher, your overall thoughts on James Wan's newest horror masterpiece? Question mark. Uh,
3: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it a masterpiece. However, it definitely. Now this is tricky because I'm trying to think <laughs> yeah, of what yeah. to say that I can say that's safe. Uh-huh. Yes. Um <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I Kombucha Girl is literally the best example of my reaction to this movie because at first it makes you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. and then For, for those who, at, who don't then, know,
0: Kombucha Girl is like a meme online yes. in which a girl makes a huge variety of facial expressions about drinking kombucha. Where but at anyway, first sorry.
3: displeased and then... <laughs> Maybe no wait yeah. actually yeah then so great. it's kind of yeah. like this this back <laughs> that was and a really forth. good
0: like narration slash uh, in, yeah v- vocal uh, performance <laughs> of kombucha girl
2: it was, was. a the, thank you very much the oral history of <laughs>
3: kombucha
0: girl, of kombucha girl. What is it? yeah or, or oral interpretation of, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, of kombucha girl very nicely done. thank, thank anyway. you very much tip go your waiters.
3: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I no I really I like it I like it a lot I think it has a lot of really excellent traits I think it is a more unique film. Uh, A lot of people were talking about, you know, uh, even James Wan uh, in the marketing and everything was saying, you know, people expect you to do the same thing over and over again past a certain point. So I wanted to give him something different (laughs) and he definitely gave us something different. Um, (laughs) It's there's not much else I can say. I liked it. I'll tell you more soon.
1: Okay. Divin' your (laughs) hardware, malignant overall thoughts. Yeah. I think kombucha girl is probably a a good one because this movie (laughs) This movie is kind of all over the place, um, and there are certainly there are like red flags in it too that would make <laughs> me dismiss a normal movie, right? Like I, right? I don't think yeah. the acting is that great uh, for the mm-hmm. most part. Some of the writing is like really just really rough, and uh, I this movie uses a uh, a cover of Pixies "Where Is My Mind," <laughs> and it's just like I don't I love that song. Don't don't like the way it uses that cover like over and over again, just kind of killed me, but I had a ton of fun with this movie. This movie is kind of a blast. So that's the thing. And I do think um, like after I finished watching it, my wife, who's also a huge horror fan, she wasn't as into it as I was, but we were both like, this feels like you find a VHS movie at the, you know, at the video store. Right. And maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe like the person at the counter is like, Oh, you got to see this shit. Um (laughs) And that, that's kind of it. it. It feels like he created something that you that would be kind of forgotten and unearthed, like a, a true B movie. It feels he, you, like he made a B movie in many senses. But what's up, Ariel?
3: Did you know that that was actually how he described it? That he really? he wanted he wanted to make a movie uh-huh. that you would find when you go to the video store and you go to the back of the store where the horror section is uh-huh. and you go to the back of that section where you find the stuff that nobody knows about. Exactly. And you pick something that has a ridiculous cover like that's I, actually I a quote from. I James did War. not
1: hear that. But you know what? Maybe I listened to enough like podcasts where I didn't even hear many about this movie. But both my wife and I like we we the, it's what we did. As kids and teenagers, yeah. like, that's how she discovered, um, what was it? Uh, not the Lost Highway, Devil's Highway, um, Highway to Hell. Highway, Hell. To, Highway yeah. to Hell. Highway
0: to Hell. I remember watching that movie. One of, of those crazy
1: movies. Yeah. VHS. You pick up a, a dirty VHS and it's like, it's, it's probably not even, it's probably like a copy of a copy that this store was trying to rent out or something. But anyway, <laughs> this feels like one of those things, like a dirty movie that gets so crazy that at a certain point you're like, how did anybody make this? Um, and I respect it. I respect like how crazy it gets and how much fun it is, but I think I probably would have enjoyed this movie a lot more if I was watching it in a theater with other people. Like This one yeah. screams for having a great theater, like a great crowd response because that probably would have added a lot to it, but at the end of the day, I had a lot of fun with this movie despite its flaws, and I do appreciate that James Wan is like he said he was going to do just something different and this is the guy who kicked off Saw gave us uh, insidious which is uh that first movie is really good um conjuring which i love one and two we can forget about three uh he's all over the place <laughs> at times um but i really appreciate that he is still out there like doing something that's different than a lot of other folks and it's wild that you see traces of aquaman in this movie you know, of all things you see traces of like what he did in the fast and furious franchise in this weird B horror movie. And I just love how weird it is. So despite like a rocky start, I think I had a ton of fun with it.
0: Uh, I'm going to tell you that a lot of my experience of this movie was filtered through what I thought Jeff might think of this movie. You know, Jeff, <laughs> I was also Jeff, thinking that I was like, Oh man, Jeff, Jeff is going to hate this movie. Well, I was gonna, So Jeff is <laughs> Jeff. Like doesn't like horror as much as me and David uh-huh. on the podcast. Right. Um, and at first I was like, "Oh man, like I kind of feel bad that we made Jeff watch this." And then I didn't feel bad because <laughs> this movie is worth discussing. Yes, and I yes. will not hear otherwise. That said, Jeff Canada, what were your thoughts on Malignant? Well,
2: Dave. I guess you could say my thoughts about Malignant are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hit me, hit me. When a movie's writing is bad, <laughs> And the acting and lighting are bad. <laughs> if the concept is clever, it's no help whatsoever. The end product is still really bad.
1: Wow. No! Jeff does not about, watch enough B movies. Yeah, I don't know if you know
0: this, Jeff, but you used the term bad. You rhymed bad with itself several
2: times. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. How would I read
1: that limerick? Hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Probably as good as this movie. Wow! <laughs> Here's wow. The thing. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk in spoilers, and we need to talk in spoilers. Yes, <laughs> I think this movie clearly. This movie goes to a place. Yeah, you have, to, you have I, to go
1: there with it. Yes, that and place I respect, is Seattle, by the way, my home, <laughs> sta- my home, yeah. uh, home
2: city. Oh, it looks yeah. nothing like Seattle. This movie is is lit <laughs> like no place on earth. Anyway. Um <laughs> I respect the fact that this movie goes to a place. And I actually, as I said in the limerick, I actually think there's a nugget of a very clever idea here. Mm -hmm. But just because it has a clever idea does not, as I think DeVindro disagrees, he, he feels it does. But for me, it does not make up for what you have to suffer through to get to the to the sure, idea.
3: Sure. And Davindra I, and I, Ariel yep. disagree with yes. you just for the record. I, I think
2: that's I think that's totally fair. And <laughs> you I love that you guys enjoyed it. There is thing there are things to enjoy if you I mean here's the thing. <laughs> what I had planned to say about this movie was it's a B movie as a pejorative. Yeah that that's, and that's for the Davindra thing. Yes. and Ariel a B movie is something to uh, is, is is a badge of honor. Not and always. Sometimes that's true. not always. Yeah, not yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, sometimes that's true for me too. I mean, I love I love Troll Two, and I love you know I love I love some fun B movies, but um, this movie I, I I just thought could have been could have been a good movie. Like yeah, there's yeah. a way to do this fun, goofy, over the top concept in a way that isn't wrapped in dreck.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, th- there's a level of polish that would have made this movie shine a lot more for sure yeah,
2: yeah i don't the thing is
0: i don't know if any of it is an accident mm. you know what i mean like, oh, yeah, not, yeah, none yeah. Of it is. Yeah. yeah i don't think he's like cr- th- that's the thing th- 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 you know divinger you're talking about how this is like a movie you'd find in a vhs in the back of a store in a bin yeah right? and yeah and but the i think the problem with the movie insofar as there is one like i enjoyed the movie as well but the problem is that it feels like someone trying to make that
2: you yes, know, exactly. as opposed you to it's somebody earnest. earnestly
0: yes. trying to do something, and then it becomes it just is kind of cheesy because they're not very good at it. See, um, yeah, go mm-hmm.
3: ahead. No, Aira. see, I like I, I see what you're saying with that, but at the same time, I disagree because yeah, I I feel yeah. like this is I feel like this takes a bit of the Guillermo del Toro approach to what would be considered low art, in that you take it seriously, you approach it seriously, you craft it seriously, and with mm-hmm. all the heart you can muster and let it be as silly as it needs to be. Pacific Rim is a silly ridiculous movie. It's also wicked and super fun. This movie is the same thing but instead of taking kaiju movies, it takes uh, you know, a bunch of categories I will say shortly <laughs> yeah. and does it with that. Uh, but like it, in it's the same it's the same like, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about when you say these movies that, like, force, uh, you know, an homage, and they just feel really ham-fisted, mm-hmm. and it's not earnest. This feels really earnest to me. In fact, the the quality discrepancies that Jeff is mentioning are actually part of its earnestness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, I'm, I, I want to make sure you can finish your point there before we get to spoilers. But did you, yeah. yeah.
2: No, I, I I feel like um, my role is, is the Dave Chen right now. I feel like I'm the ba humbug on everybody's joyous, mm-hmm. goofy, good time, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't relish that. I mean, nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be Dave Chen. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yes. Um, and I say that to my mirror every day. Yes. <laughs> and and so I I don't I I, I take no joy in telling you that I took no joy, you know what I mean? I just by the time we got to the to the place where the movie can have some fun, I was so done with I mean it's 2 hours long this movie too. It mm-hmm. it's lugubrious. It it takes so long to get <laughs> to this place and none of it I think is worthwhile. Like none of the first wow. hour 20 is mm for me for me is yeah. is is fun. It does get to a fun place, but by that point I was so I just wasn't on board with yeah. any mm-hmm. of it.
1: It starts that, pretty dark.
0: Like is the thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, yeah. I, by, by the way, Jeff, there's somebody in the Slack group uh, of the film cast that says anytime Jeff Canada uses the word lugubrious to describe movie, I know I'm going to like it. Well,
2: <laughs> I was hey. going to
3: say good Power. good use of lugubrious. I am impressed.
2: Thank you. It <laughs> was my go-to uh <laughs> Go-to description of something that's plotting and uh, yeah. unwatchable, but yeah. I, yeah, I just, I just, I was just not. I mean, from from like two and a half minutes in, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh no, it's a very specific
1: <laughs> wavelength. Is the thing yeah. like, yes. once yeah. once I started here, I was like, oh, this is fun, but I was also saying to myself, poor Jeff.
2: Jeff yeah. is just
0: like, he, he is, playing another, he is not, not going to be like this listening to this. this. Much, yeah. 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 So any, anyway, no, no, what,
2: here's the thing though. Yeah. You're right, Dave, in the sense that by the, I'm, I'm glad I had the experience of watching this movie without knowing anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Because I think the only reason to watch this movie is to, is to not know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Really, yep. And most you know? of that is
1: not in the trailers either. Like they, the trailers That's were actually good. pretty good about the big stuff being kept in.
2: Yeah.
3: They were excellent actually. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, I really enjoyed the
0: movie, but I really think we got to get the spoilers. So let, let's just get to it right now. But yeah, it, it is just wild and uh, out there, and it really goes for it in ways that I didn't anticipate. And yeah. I just thought is it was... it's <laughs> one for the horror fan. It's it's, yeah. it's the definition oh, yeah. of a one for one for them, one for me. And <laughs> because because basically, uh, James Wan, by the way, hugely successful director. He made Aquaman. Um, he's going to make Aquaman 2. Those movies are both probably going to gross around a billion um, dollars. Uh, yep. Furious 7. And Furious 7 he made. That was very successful. Um, this movie uh, was made for around $40 million. His wife uh, is a co-writer on the story. Uh, and she's also an actress in the movie. I think it's a very personal movie. Um, and so it's kind of like if, he, if left to his own devices and he could make whatever he wanted, I feel like this is what he would make. And it is batshit. So... Uh, i i gotta admire the yeah, guy gotta i gotta love it I, I gotta yeah i gotta admire him for like putting it out there for being like you know i'm gonna let my freak flag fly in this one and i think he totally did let's get to spoilers wait for can i just say, i want to oh. say
2: one more thing just just so you kind of correctly frame where i'm sitting on this and mm-hmm. that is today <laughs> i recommended this movie to somebody uh-huh there you go so, yeah you know uh, it's it's not my bag it, i didn't have any <laughs> I mean, I really, by the end, there was some f- fun to be had. But it, but I recognize that for some people, it's going to be this campy, wild, fun time. So there you go.
0: All right. Spoilers for Malignant starting right now.
2: Now you're looking for the secret. Do to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course,
0: you're
3: not going to see this coming.
0: You're not really looking. I have been
3: puzzling over how it works. You
2: don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret You want to be fooled.
0: All right. Uh, uh, let's just say that I think the big twist of this movie, which we are now about to reveal. Right? <laughs> See, you
2: sever off the appendages, <laughs> but then you just face in. Push it in. You just push <laughs> it in and just sew it right up. It in. <laughs> <laughs> you just push it in. That's the scientific term is just like a little push and then sew it right back up. That's what you do. Yeah. yeah well, you mean
3: I, it, was, it was attached to her brain. You had to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, you just like press it in, just like just shut it. it's more it's like um when you you're you're trying to get everything into your suitcase. Yeah.
0: It's you, you've had the vacation already. You're yes. about to yeah. head home. Yeah. Yeah. And rather than like carefully placing everything, you just kinda throw it all in there. Yeah. Right? You
2: just you just push on it and zip it up.
3: It's what the emotionally repressed do with their baggage, personally.
0: <laughs> oh snap. Ooh. Jeff, she turned it around on she you. She
2: did. She she <laughs> did. That was impressive. <laughs>
3: I, so I think that
0: I agree with you. It it goes delightfully bonkers, especially in the last half hour as, after the twist is revealed. Um, and I I love all the creature design stuff, like the 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 idea that like oh the 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 creature uh, whatever you want to call M- Mr. Malignant, whatever you want to call him. No,
1: Gabriel.
3: Uh,
0: Gabriel. Oh, Gabriel. Yeah. yeah sorry. Um, Dude
3: has he, a name, man.
0: He's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's um. Uh, he's moving around the whole movie, and you're like, "There's something not quite yeah. right." Why, why, why so is he's... this
1: like arms and legs? Yeah, backwards. why is yeah. it
0: all weird? And then, yeah. like, it's kind of like a delightful reveal when you realize, like, "Oh, it's just her backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's, <laughs> she's moving backwards the entire time." And um, or is I, he I, moving
1: I thought,
2: forwards?
0: Ah, yeah, I know. I, I thought that stuff was all
2: really amazing. Um <laughs> No, and 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 how the reveal happens of that the shot, they're watching a VHS tape, right? Yep, yep. The the motif of the VHS and the, and the camera just like going from her sitting there to, to pivoting around her. And you see the, her, you know, it really made me feel like poor Guado from yep. Total Recall. Yep. You know what I mean? Giving given Guado a bad name.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my my um, favorite moment, honestly, in the movie was when, the tour guide falls through the roof of the house and la- oh, lands on the coffin. <laughs> the bet it the was best. Yep. So, I, I, was, I, I was cackling with glee Yep. that that moment, yep. I, I was like, little bit of a little bit together?" a I wish I had seen this in a theater because yeah. it would it would have been such an amazing moment to watch that with an audience.
2: of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of of we've been in the attic this whole time and then it just thunk. <laughs> oh. In my attic. <laughs> it, it, it's like a holy
0: shit moment, and it's rare that a movie can produce that. In some mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I the the there's a couple things that I'm not a fan of of this film, right? And one of them is I think it's dealing with extremely weighty subject matter in in a way that I feel like I don't know that it quite fully justifies for for me personally. Yeah. Like the opening of the movie, like the first. Fifteen minutes, right? You have like all those dudes in the hospital murder, but then uh, you have like this horrendously abusive husband who like almost causes a miscarriage. But like mm-hmm. uh, he he's he's like villainous, right? Like he's just like you know he's a bad guy. Yeah. How dare you mm-hmm. miscarry? You know, like you're uh, uh, like this is terrible for me that you're miscarrying, and it's like wow, this is this is horrifying. And then she loses the baby in the first, like, you know, 10 minutes of the movie because of the creature, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Of, because of Gabriel. And I'm just like, oh my, this is, like, this extremely is heavy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like the rest of the movie is so silly mm. and over the top that it, it, it doesn't, it didn't mesh well, like, the uh-huh. the seriousness. And then it also deals with, like, adoption. And, like, I thought that stuff was fine. Like, it, it kind of is, like, highlighting that, like, you know the the relationships that you need don't need to be by blood and you know mm-hmm. like it's a nice like
2: kind oh, of oh man the the last line of the movie though is it's such a clunker yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah a but a
3: lot
2: of the lines I, are clunkers
0: let's I, I, yes. I, like I like where it's going but i just feel yes. I, anyway the point being like it's evoking all this like incredibly heavy material and for me, you need to do a lot to like justify that in my opinion, like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know that the movie quite achieved that, but
2: like, Ariel, I, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah go sorry, ahead, no. Ariel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm curious, like what you, how you feel about that? Like, do you, does, well, does any of my critique resonate with you or do you feel like I'm, uh, I'm, enough, yeah.
3: no. And I think you're way off base. Okay, please. Strangely yeah, enough. thank you. I'll, I'll yeah, let you yeah. take
0: the wheel, Ariel. I suspected yeah. this was the case and that's why I turned it over to you.
3: <laughs> no, I, it just, it's, and I've, I've, Talked about this with a few other friends and colleagues, but generally speaking, this the way that they approach this, you know, dichotomous relationship between these really heavy subject matters at the beginning and kind of the the shoddy writing and you know the bad lighting as you guys have pointed out or you know that the production value may not look like it's good enough and things like that. It's it's kind of one. It's all a very big allegory for the way we deal with repressed trauma. Mm. So that in and of itself, I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil a friend's article that she wants to write. So I'm not going to mess with that too much, but, um, in terms of even just the way we perceive how we should handle those subject matters, like the way you're saying it needs, it's almost like you're suggesting that it needs more gravitas. It needs more, more weight behind it and more poise in order to handle subject matter like that. Mm -hmm. But the, the, best thing about horror and one of the things that we love the most about it as fans of the genre is that you're able to discuss arguably deeply personal Mm -hmm. and serious things in through ridiculous means because it kind of for some it takes the edge off for others it, it gives you the edge you need in order to discuss those things but it's it's kind of this weird balance of levity and poignancy that you need to dissect things that are otherwise considered unpalatable, like childhood trauma Mm -hmm. or uh, spousal abuse or, um, you know, repeated miscarriages. And, you know, when you think about the way that her body actively rejects all of her babies and it's, you know, Gabriel's been sucking their life out of them and like using them for sustenance, your trauma will literally sap the life out of you if you don't deal with it. And it's this, like really ham-fisted personification and anthropomorphization of trauma, but it's for a lot of people, that's the perfect way to deal with those things is to actually be able to see it. Like one of the things that I always like to say for years, at least, um, because I've I've dealt with uh, an anxiety disorder for the last like 18 years, and I've only recently had it fully properly diagnosed and, and treated, but For years, I used to think of it as Freddy Krueger because it would, my anxiety would react in such a way that it would pick the thing in my body that it knew it could get me at. So, like, I'd have stomach cramps, which would then spiral me into a panic attack and then it would stay there. But then, as soon as I was able to realize, no, no, no that's actually psychosomatic, everything's fine, it would dissipate, but it would find another part of my body to hurt or to Mm. create anxiety and tension. So I always used to think of it like Freddy Krueger and I was actually Nancy and I was able to say, no, this is my dream, motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. So that's like we personify fans of the genre, use it in these ways that are largely considered hem-fisted in order to grapple with things or talk about things or even just enjoy them in a way that life doesn't allow us to.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is a beautifully articulated takedown of my opinion, uh, first of all. <laughs> so, nicely done. And I guess I would just express a preference that, like, I agree with you that that's one of the wonderful things about horror. I feel like I personally prefer it when it's less, um, when it, more when it's subtext as opposed to text, you know, like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, the Babadook is, like, an example of dealing with something like grief and trauma in a way that is more subtle and, in my opinion, befitting of like the emotions I want to experience when I watch a story like that. But that's me personally, right? Like, and what I. About, yeah, what about the
3: ahead? Babadook is subtle?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's, most heavy all Well, I mean,
1: <laughs> b- but
3: <laughs> this is coming from I, someone who loves the Babadook. Yeah, to clarify. Yeah,
1: right, I, but I guess, this feels like the elevated horror argument in a way yes. too, where I'm like, there, there is as much as the Babadook is great right? Like there, there is absolutely, you could do a lot by being maybe even a little more ham-fisted times, but B-movies can say a lot. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, Dave. I want to add no, on no, to what Ariel I, was saying. No, I, I, yeah. I don't think I have a good leg to stand on here. So okay. I, I think I'm just going to say,
0: I think yeah. I'm just going to say, listen to what Ariel said. Yes. And um, as usual, I'm I'm wrong on
1: this. But really uh, per- <laughs> perfectly right. I just want to add onto that a bit too. I think all that stuff like it is It is dark. It is heavy. It made me mm-hmm. feel bad to you when I was watching with my wife. And it's like, it's It's not, it is rougher than you think you'd be getting into. But it also immediately made me care for, you know, these characters in a way. Like, I I think, uh, is Annabelle Wallace? Wallace is the yeah. lead. I think she did a fantastic job of just being like, she had to be a scream queen. But also when she had to sell the horror of losing her child again. I think she, that really hit me too. Like the sure. The dialogue isn't always great in this movie, but I think a lot of things, um, you know, lay the groundwork for the story to mean more, you know, like when we learn Gabriel was, you know, eating those children, it's like you feel something about mm-hmm. that. And I felt like, I felt that in my heart. They'd be like, Oh man, this, this poor guy, like this poor girl has been haunted her entire life by this, uh, just kind of demon of a creature. But there's like, there it is trying to say something about sibling connections too, um, and certainly, again, ham fisted. But that sibling jealousy just seemed to, like, add another layer to what was going on in the story. The abusive husband. Yeah, we all wanted to see him die. But I also felt like, man, how long has this woman been living this life? You know, like she she's basically punishing herself. Because she has stayed with this guy. So, all those things, like, I care about these characters in very specific ways, even if, like, yeah, the words aren't always great. I think uh, this movie did a lot with that material. And yeah, horror can do a lot uh, with heavy concepts. Uh, I don't mind if it's blunt. All right. Well, any other thoughts about
0: uh, the ending of this movie? There's a big action scene in the police station that I thought was. Uh, Pretty oh, yeah. well it done as far as these things go. Came out My of nowhere. Part, <laughs> and we were like, oh shit. Part of that action scene yep. was the chair throw at the very end. That was just oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't so believe the they're room? about to do this. <laughs> and across, they did the <laughs> that across the room
3: chair throw? So That's the whole scene. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that entire scene. Is what switches this movie from having the visual aesthetic of a giallo mm-hmm. into something that you would have found on 42nd Street in the 70s. And <laughs> it's 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 Frank Hannon Lauder all over the place. You've got Basket Case and Braindead coming out of everywhere. And like even the inclusion of Zoe Bell was such a nice, subtle little touch that I don't know if everybody's even going to notice the fact that. One, she's there. And two, she was in Grindhouse. So you've got this connection, literal connection mm-hmm. to to direct homages to Forty Second Street. And it's like, oh, as soon as it happened, I was like, yes, oh, my God, they're going there. They're doing the prison exploitation movies. I'm so in. <laughs> and it's just like, it just goes. And it's so fun. And like, even, you know. Taking uh, from hen and taking from Basket Case and basically making it some weird hybrid of Basket Case and Brain Dead or Brain Damage. Sorry, not Brain Dead. That's Peter Jackson. Um, but it's just it's it's so fucking absurd and bright. Like, that's the weirdest part about that scene is that it just all of a sudden it just brightens up and you have... Mm-hmm. Like, again, you've got Zoe Bella and you've got this woman who looks like she's the personification of black exploitation, And like all of it's like you if you look into each of the characters that are in that cell before shit gets weird. It's like you've got all of the female representation of every exploitation film from the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. in one place. And she's just destroying them, which is <laughs> hilarious. Like it's oh my god, I want to watch it again now. I just want to <laughs> watch it again. It's so good.
1: All the action was so good too. Like the even the chase before that too. I was like, "Oh, this movie is going James Wan is tapping into his action, you know, talents here. Like I thought this would be oh, a yeah. pretty like a staid horror movie, but no, he is he's this is a full-on great chase sequence. And then the jail sequence uh in the prison cell, like in the holding cell is fantastic, but that whole thing it brings to mind like the opening scene of Aquaman too, where like mm-hmm. James Wan tried to do a long take action thing with Nicole Kidman. And, you know, most of that is probably digital too, but it, it still looked cool and looked fantastic here. Yeah.
3: And on top of that, you've got these references to early to the early aughts. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 Simeon Institute or whatever the hell it's called is <laughs> basically um, uh, it's the Vanneken Institute from House on Haunted Hill. Like it's almost exactly like it. <laughs> And it's it's so marvelous, and a lot of other people were drawing connections to Dead Silence, which is another uh, James Wan film. Mm. And it's like it it combines so many different subgenres and and periods. Uh, it's this whole movie is a love letter to the genre, yep. no question. And I, I,
1: I, I hope we have not awesome. seen the last of uh, Detective Kokoa Shaw. Which is the coolest name I have heard read aloud in all the movie in a very long time. Uh,
2: those yeah. just detectives were insufferable.
1: <laughs> Kakoa Shaw, Jeff?
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, at the end of the day, guys, it's pretty impressive that James Wan made a movie. That's all I'm going to say.
2: And <laughs> I think we can with leave the it at that. Person
0: <laughs> <laughs> What'd say, so with
2: the backwards person, even. What would you say, Jeff? With a backwards person, even. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. We, we
1: didn't really talk about that, but is it, do you think that's just the way it was shot i guess or like I, i'm i'm still confused because i think in the chase it didn't seem like that's how he was running so i feel like I, my well, I yeah i think that, yeah. i think
0: the movie takes some liberty a lot of liberty exactly <laughs> how <laughs> a <laughs> person would move
1: backwards
2: my
0: favorite back. line i want to is, see more of that it though. was
2: my body the whole time i can lift it oh oh okay <laughs> all right yeah jeff right. because
1: she realizes her inner strength
2: jeff she's got yeah inner strength it's the inner strength that really does it for you all right no let's, no, it's
0: cool let's wrap it up <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at the filmcast.com email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com sponsor us on patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast this episode was edited by baby zang our theme song comes from adam warrock uh, bandcamp.com for now and our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and youtuber kyle Corwith. our uh, weekly plugs bumper music comes from noah ross a big thank you again to Ariel Fisher, who is the evening news editor at SlashFilm.com and the managing editor at Fangoria Magazine. Uh, Ariel, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you back on the film cast.
3: Thank you again for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: And next week, so I'm just going to call this out, right? That starting in late September, early October, it is going to be an abundance of riches in terms of VOD and theatrical releases Next week, we had a little bit of trouble coming up with what we we're going to review because there's just not that much major coming out next week. Um, but there is a uh, show that, or a musical, I guess it's called, whatever you want to call it, that a lot of that does come very highly recommended um, and is scoring very well on Tomatoes. And I thought, let's uh, use this opportunity to check this out. I'm really glad you guys are, are into uh, checking this out with me. It's called Come From Away. It's streaming right now on Apple TV+. A perfect
1: follow-up to Malignant, by the way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, basically the same story. Yeah. It's Canadian.
0: <laughs> um, so, Comfortable is streaming right now on Apple TV Plus. It's what we're going to be reviewing next week on uh, the Filmcast. And uh, I've heard it's very powerful. So, uh, you should check that out and then come and join us next week on the Filmcast as we review that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.